If Maria supported the show, I'd be less sick of podcasts. Yeah. Blah, blah, blah. Blah, blah, blah. Sending out good vibes. Shivers or vibrations and stuff like that. Why America? I think the fact that it's this really odd blue anomaly is really especially interesting. Uh, if you look at sort of the, the colors that are described of fairy lights, uh, that's 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 a very common color that you see. Okay, guys, welcome back to the Grand America Show. We're going to be chatting with Joshua Kutchin a little bit later. I know a lot of you probably can't believe it took us six years to talk to Joshua Kutchin. I'm surprised Joshua wasn't in like the first 20 episodes when I really think about it, considering how kind of close we are in some of the circles we run in. Uh, and we got, of course, our famous artist, Nap, is joining us for the intro as well. Hey, guys. Hey, Nap. How's it going? Good. Hey. And we have everyone's favorite right. co-host, Graham. I do spreadsheets in my spare time. Dunloth, how's it going, buddy? <laughs> Not bad. Graham's the only guy who is like, he wants to borrow the, so the, the context is Graham wants to borrow the studio computer to take home for some stuff he's doing at home. And he's like, does it have Excel on it? No. And I'm like, are you doing a lot of spreadsheets at home, bro? And Just he's like, for fun. Yeah. I am. <laughs> is, so, is this research based or what? D and D. Oh, D and D. Okay, that makes sense though. That makes sense. We play an old <laughs> version that requires a lot of calculations. Yeah. No, yeah. and I have other other things. So do you do guys all I, have to do that? I'm the I'm I've I'm also part of a you know refuge recovery thing that I have. I need a spreadsheet yeah. to keep track of that. Do you like guys I, all have to have that spreadsheet no, going no, for D and D, or you keep track of it? Just, just, just he's not the DM though. No. He's just what? thorough. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> I walked in his house the other day, and I just. He's got his whole little setup there. He's got a box with about a hundred dice in it. He's got like three or four books all set up beside him. And I just, I like walked in. I just had to take a picture. He's just like got his headset on. It was cute. That's you look kind great. of adorable though. Oh, it should you, be a shirt. Collect dice? Yeah. Oh, I, I'll, I'll work on that though. Um, do you collect know. dice? I know a lot of people who collect <laughs> dice. Because if you go to conventions and stuff like that, they they have like all sorts of fancy like opalescent dice. Yeah, and, it's it's. Yeah. I know. I want some real crystal dice soon. Real crystal dice. He definitely yeah. collects dice. He he gave away a hundred dice because he was like, oh dear. was it a hundred? It was, no, had to be fifty. He's just like, day. oh, these are just my. Uh, these no, are my just two extras. sets. No, I just bought, look. I bought like fifteen dollars worth of like. Fi- they, you buy like a hundred and something dice on on Amazon for fifteen bucks or whatever. That's all it mm-hmm. was. So, and then I got I buy the odd one here and there. I would just love to I see. I need to get some more uh, quality dice, though. I would love quality. to see how much money you've spent in the last year on eBay on Dungeons and Dragon supplies. <laughs> Nothing in the last year, no. In the last two years, maybe in the last two years, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Not as much as you think. I get the deals. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> He's got a guy. He heckles. Got a guy. He's heckling D and D. 
Haggling. Haggling. Haggling, not haggling. Right, Haggling's what you do to comedians. <laughs> That's right. That that would be awesome though if somebody just showed up to like heckle D and D games. That could be me. That, that's that him. could be that's him. Him. There's the show. That's... You were supposed to come on one day and heckle, and he couldn't even do that. I it tried. It was a big plan. He was going to come and be the big bad guy or something. Yeah, I had talked to the DM. I was going to infiltrate the D and D. I bought dice. <laughs> Did you really? Yeah. You roll? And he's like, nice. "You just come in. You can fucking kill some of these guys." And I'm like, "I'm in." <laughs> And then I forgot. <laughs> Something oh. happened. I got busy, and D&D just wasn't into it. But, mm. you know, we've been trying to think about how you could do a show around D&D, and maybe that's it. Mm-hmm. I'll, you guys play, and I'll, like, I'll half commentate it. No, I'm not doing any commentating. Fuck that. Justin can commentate like he kind of does, and I'll heckle. <laughs> that's not bad. And then we should make it interactive so the audience can participate. They can activate yeah. me. They have to do a super chat to activate yeah, Derek. <laughs> yeah, yeah, or a Discord server or something like that. But yeah, yeah, yeah Discord server. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. We infiltrated their D and D. We we he infiltrated some, the yeah. Discord server. Once. They have a D and D Discord God. server, so we went I in got, there and we were I fucking got upset. Everyone was triggered. Oh. <laughs> They were not. No, happy. It, it gets it gets serious though. I I remember I used to play Vampire the Masquerade when oh, I was yeah, younger. Yeah, yeah. And uh, the the DM actually talked to my boyfriend at the time. Uh, I I was seventeen. He was significantly older. And uh, my boyfriend arranged for my character to be killed uh, because he felt like I was spending too much time with my no, friends who were no. other seventeen year olds. <laughs> And yeah, that that was terrible. That that was. I was like, I don't want to hang out with you. You're old and gross. Oh, you slip in the DM some money to kill a character off. That's yeah, crazy. Yeah, so. that's kind of what I was up to. I mean, I I went behind their back and I talked to them and I tried to make a deal with the DM because the DM just happens to be a fan of the show. So. We we have a masquerade. I bought the masquerade book because uh, we're we're in our campaign that we're talking about here. We we're all vampires. We got turned into vampires, so we're playing okay. vampires in the in the kind of fantasy setting. It's yeah. a, it's a cool it's a cool game. Some people take it way too seriously, and it like melts into real life. And you're like, no, yeah. come on, sh- calm, calm down, no, no, honey. Yeah, but uh, that's yeah. where this guy's at. I'm telling you, he's a borderline. <laughs> He's borderline too far down the D and D rabbit hole. I worry not, about that's him sometimes. Nothing. Like when, when we were kids, we used to, you know, do more IRL, like live action role play kind of thing as kids. Not now. That, you you mm. ain't seen nothing. You know the weirdest thing I did, and shout out to Cause, who I know will be listening to this, and he'll remember. Mm-hmm. But I remember a period, of like grade eight or grade nine. I can't remember. But we'd like we were all really into wrestling. And we'd like mm. go meet up in the field and we'd all have like our wrestler names and we'd be like, I mean, it's kind of funny because he, we did it physically and we made a role and you game. made a role playing game and Josh sat around and talked about it in the basement. We used to wrestle too. Yeah. Don't, I used to be the figure four guy. I'd, I'd put people in the Because you're little. Four. What does that yeah. have to do with <laughs> Well, wrestling's all role playing, and I mean, you have the heel, and then you have like your kind of hero characters who come in and kick his ass every time, and yeah, it's. I mean, n- none of that's really. It takes. It's like a ballet. It's choreographed. They really are doing the physical feats that you see, but the storylines that go with it and stuff like that, and it's it's all very, 
planned out ahead of time. Though, though yeah. in the smaller rings, we have like a ricotta league up in LA and a couple different smaller leagues around here. It's it's more real. That's they're developing their characters to get into the big times. Oh wow! Yeah, that'd be yeah. pretty cool. Yeah, I remember I was part of DX. DX. That was your, right, DX, and that was yeah. your little thing. Yeah. And what did you? What kind? What was your move? I can't remember. You don't even remember your move. I was did you never guys, like hurt each other because you no, get, like we used to jump on each other. In the to be honest, I was always a whole lot less into it than everyone else. Mm. But I was. I had to stay at my buddy Cause's house because I used to crash with him when I was going to visit my girlfriend in that town. Mm-hmm. So then I get drug along to the wrestling thing. So he, I mean, you play along, but I didn't have any moves or anything like that. But some of these guys were hardcore. They had like legitimate moves. Oh, and they had like whole, whole choreographed uh, oh, really? performances. Yeah, it's just like they're playing for belts. Nice championships. Oh, that's hilarious. Yeah. I am curious about the girlfriend in that town. How many girlfriends in various towns did you have at that time? Well, it was just one girlfriend oh, just, in one okay. town. It's just like where I'm from is like a bunch of little towns all over the place. Mm-hmm. So it was mm-hmm. just like too far to like, and I, it was too far to like, it was a couple, it was 40 minute drive maybe. <laughs> so I, and I, was, okay. I was only like, I was a teenager. So I was like hitchhiking yeah. around. So. Nice what did the guys there? think about you in, in the other town? Was there like a little bit <laughs> well, of we all went to school. rivalry and all that? And like a little bit, town, but we all went to high school. Go together. date girls in your own town, that kind of thing. No, we all went to the same high school. <laughs> oh, did you? Yeah. yeah. So yeah. we like That's cool. we were more worried about the other motherfuckers up the road. Uh, they yeah. were the problem. Mm. I mean, it's just all in the sticks. My dad, my dad grew up in Montreal or close to Montreal in Greenfield Park, yeah. I think. And he used to tell me about going through neighborhoods where it was like that going through, I don't know if it was like the Italian neighborhood or all the different neighborhoods. And it was like sketchy. Like you got to, you had to be careful. You didn't get shit kicked going through those <laughs> neighborhoods. Where'd you grow up? In Maple Ridge and BC. In BC. City, mm-hmm. town. Well, that was from like age 10 to 20, 10 to eight, 19 kind of thing. I mean, that was the dorkiest thing we did. We did a lot of like road hockey. That was like, yeah, was I too. played road hockey fucking a thousand hours a, yeah. you know, a month, it seemed like. But, and you know what I found was universal when I talked to people from like Europe and uh, I forget who else I was talking about. Someone down from South America was like, uh, hide and seek, kick the can, kick the can, or some variation of kick the can. Mm. Or we threw, you threw the can and everyone hides and you gotta I mean it's kinda like hide and seek for growing ups, I guess that's why. Yeah. Huh. Very cool. <laughs> anyway, enough reminiscing. Where did you All grow right. up now? In- uh I, I grew up uh see, I was uh mostly mostly I guess Encinitas, California. Which is, it started off as being kind of like a small surfer kind of town with a lot of hippies. Yeah, and we yeah. still had like communes and stuff yeah. when I was younger. Yeah. And then it it's like slowly, it used to be the flower capital of the world. And so we had tons of flowers and like nature and stuff like that. And now more and more it's like Target's, Starbucks, Home Depot. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and uh, so it's it's becoming that. And I didn't really realize how much I uh, missed it until... Um, I, I started like driving through areas where there's actual chaparral and like indigenous California vegetation and stuff like that. And I was like, Oh my God, this is like, this is what it's supposed to look like. It's not a parking lot. and parking lots and best buys. 
Yeah, and it's it's a li- it's a little depressing because I'll, I'll look at pictures when I was a kid, and uh, I, I'll just like it's so different. These huge fields where we had all these wildlife and stuff like that are just now they're just it's a great big shopping center with the same shops that you get like in the next shopping center or parking lot over. So it's like you know why why? <laughs> yeah, yeah, that happens here too. Yeah, every yeah. parking lot. I think California is yeah. very similar to Canada, mm-hmm. but crammed into way less space. Yeah, yeah, I, I I could definitely see that. So I think it's the same amount of people too, right? Yep. Like thirty-five million people in California. Yep. Yeah, yeah, they're 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 talking about becoming their own country. They every time every year this comes up that every they're, time they're a Republican. Cali- gets- I thought it was three. There's three. I you're going to turn into three states, maybe. That that's one of the plans yeah, is yeah. that that it separates into three states, uh, and then and it actually makes sense like as far as industries and stuff like that, because mm-hmm. you have like Silicon Valley, which is very different than like Central California or Napa Valley or something where they are working in completely in agriculture. Yeah, and uh, then you have Hollywood, which is a totally different industry, a totally different drive, and so it's like it it just makes sense financially to split it off in those areas because the interests are very different and how do you represent this huge mass of land with people who are all very differently invested and all want very different things so yeah why don't you just 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 go to canada just go to canada like you washington and oregon go to canada and then us alberta saskatchewan and winnipeg manitoba Manitoba. let's do that manitoba can go down to the states we'll make a trade Okay, yeah, that'd be okay. On whose authority, so, man? Just grab I'm a fucking it's Indian. America, and then we'll no, 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 no. You're giving away treaty land, motherfucker. <laughs> oh, Don't work like that. It's not yours to give that. away. See? These fucking people giving away land they're not even done stealing. Just the middle of Canada. <laughs> the middle of Canada can just go to the States. There's not enough oil. <clears throat> no, no. I mean, I think they should just dissolve the Union. All of the Unions. Mm, Canada that makes sense. and the yeah. U.S. Just... That's it. It's all uh, little little tiny tiny segments. Yeah, like pro- like our province would be a country. Yeah. Like so California the, would be its own country. Take kind of the thing. parliament that you have in place, and that goes down to the, the provincial level, level yeah. and then all the counties become the. And then sort we of become connected to the globe, like electronically. You know, everybody's yeah. connected now, anyways. But we can manage our own little. Yeah, little we could have some soft borders. We could have like European yeah. borders, maybe, yeah. but yeah. we're still our own country. Yeah. Um, it makes sense because uh, it's really we're getting to the point where the United States separated from England because they had taxation without representation. How do you represent that many people yeah. at once? How do you represent their interests by like this, you know, contained government and uh, a government especially that is represented by people who in a lot of ways to, you know, get their position to campaign and stuff like that have to be really in the higher echelon of wealth, they're yeah. not representing the interests of the common people. Yeah. So separating yeah. into smaller groups might not be a bad idea. So they're trying to do that in California. I mean, I think that's where it ends day. up. I think that's where it ends up. I, it's just how it gets there. Yeah. I think it gets there real ugly. <laughs> yeah, probably. <laughs> but are they legitimately trying again? In California? Uh, they, they they are trying. Um, the, the group last year was called, uh, I think it was Yes California or something mm-hmm. like that. Uh, and they, they sent me a lot of things because I wanted to do, when I was still doing the Defeated podcast, I wanted to do a thing about that and how it was similar to the Civil War yeah. and stuff like that. 
Uh, but uh, yeah, it, it, it doesn't feel like there's a lot of momentum there, but I think that if, if people could get motivated and, and talk about just like, no, we, we don't need to become our own country. We just need to like separate into smaller governments, smaller reigning areas and that kind of thing. I'm probably going to piss a lot of people off with that kind of talk, but you know, you mean within within California, like, like like you're talking about. Yeah. 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 Just areas that, that are more representative of the people who live in this district they yeah. want this and so when a whole vote goes through california it doesn't represent <laughs> you know yeah. the people so yeah especially california because the population is so i mean it's 35 million people all the big cities and then all the mm-hmm. it's a it's a pretty big state and then there's farmers yeah, yeah. oh yeah, there, yeah there's, there's a lot a of whole, agriculture it's a bit here. of everything there yeah mm-hmm. it's a mess I say I'd dissolve the union. If I was in charge, I'd dissolve the Canadian union tomorrow. The Canadian, what union? I don't know, whatever ties us together. <laughs> First, we're leaving the Commonwealth. That's, That's right. number one. And then Quebec can separate because everyone separate. Connects it? Is that what you're calling Connects it? Connects it. <laughs> All right, no, right. We're blowing yeah. it up. You're going to blow up There's no, 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 I'm no. blowing up Canada. There's no more. uh, Don't say that. No, I don't mean no. Sorry. I'm uh, dissolving the union. That's better. That holds the Canadian provinces together. Disintegrate. Disintegrating it, whatever. (laughs) So all the provinces, now you're your own thing. There's no more equalization. There's no more nothing. Your own thing. Figure it out. It, that but let's be, not honestly the only thing so answer. then we'll do People some sort of we've got for their own and we've got know. some sort of thing where you know maybe we all pitch in two percent or something yeah, like that yeah. to have a standing army or i don't know i don't want an army either to be perfectly honest but mm-hmm. you know maybe we could agree on some shit that no no that's a slippery slope we did that once no federal government none yeah. down to mm-hmm. just provinces and states do it in the states. and states yeah. yeah i could i could see the wisdom in that i mean yeah there's arguments against it but yeah i, I see where you're going towards that yeah so. and then people can just move make it so people can move around easily so that mm-hmm. you know we'll spend a couple of years sorting it out while people move to the country that they'd rather be in or <laughs> and yeah. then away we go and then in a few years, yeah. little wars start breaking out all over the place. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. And that's kind of was the situation in Italy prior to, I believe, 1860. Italy was just a bunch of city-states on the huge Italian peninsula. And it was uh, actually Napoleon Bonaparte who was instrumental in making it one unified country. Oh, wow. But, yeah. Um, so Italy is actually younger than the United States as a country. Um, but it, it's, uh, it's still, if you go to certain areas in Italy, if you go to Rome, uh, and you say like, oh yeah, my grandma's Sicilian and stuff like that. They're like, no, 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 no. That's not an Italian. You're not an Italian. And that kind of thing. And I'm like, okay, I, I know I'm not, but <laughs> she was and sort of thing. But they, they, they're very, um, they're very much tied to their one little uh, area and that kind of thing. And th- there's different dialects that we don't think about but yeah different areas you go people speak different dialects of italian and it's still very much its own city state cluster that kind of thing how long but, ago uh, how long did it go how long was it in that city state for before napoleon uh, pri- prior to 18 I, I believe prior to 18 napoleon didn't do it entirely but sort of move uh, yeah. got the movement going towards it uh it, i think prior to 1860 it was all city states and like, they were all constantly warring with each other yeah, yeah like for a long time like so. like since the roman empire kind of thing like going, going that mm. far back or 
I mean, the Roman Empire has like a lot of things that are outside what you would call the Italian Peninsula. But I mean, yeah, it's um, I I don't know. I I don't know how far back exactly <clears throat> that yeah, would yeah. go. Yeah, no, but, it's interesting to think about yeah. that. That's funny. I used to hate history, and now I I like it a little bit more. Yeah, yeah. I've I, always I liked, liked history. I liked it till I had to teach classes in it, oh. and then and then like uh, the the like level of smugness and disrespect from students since i was like aren't you guys paying to be here stuff like that and uh but but yeah and uh that that was kind of my experience when i was doing the defeated podcast which I, i'm not doing anymore i'm doing two other podcasts um where i was trying to analyze like the defeated parties of history and i had a couple prepared and uh, just like it was attracting all the wrong people, like people you could tell weren't really listening to the episode or engaging with the episode, that they were just like, yeah, Confederate flag is cool. And I'm like, oh, no, the, the whole episode was kind of saying it's not representing what you're saying it's representing. Yeah. And it's very different, but OK. <laughs> so I get friends requests from a lot of people. It was like, oh, I got to I got to knock this off. This is people are not <laughs> interesting. Yeah, it was it was a little weird. But when I was I was teaching um, I, and I was never a full fledged teacher, I was still like a T.A. and that kind of thing. But when, when I was doing that, I would nobody cared during the class except for the night before. My phone is ringing off the hook with people looking at the study guide and the syllabus and stuff and saying like, OK, well, what date did this happen? And I'm like, look it up. Google it. That's all you have to do. Like, fill it out and memorize your study guide and you're cool. And it's just, but they didn't even want to do that. They wanted to, like, have me. And I was like, I did tell you. <laughs> Over the course of, like, several months, I've been telling you this. But, yeah, and and I don't know. I, I, I love history, but then a part of me is like, I'll be like, <laughs> just embittered towards it. But I don't know. When you find a receptive audience, it's fun. <laughs> yeah. It's always told by the winners, too. I'd like, to, I'd like to know, like, history from the loser's end. Yeah, that was kind of what The Defeated was <laughs> yeah. about. Was, yeah. yeah. And and it just, yeah, and, and that's the thing is that we, we talk about one sign being super ignorant because they don't want people to be offended by historical content and stuff. But, but the other side's ignorant because they want to imply certain historical events, pick and choose and apply it to whatever cause they're backing at that time. And you're like, no, that's not how it works. <laughs> yeah, it's all fake anyway. Yeah, <laughs> it's all fake. Well, it's all fake to a certain extent, you know. It's, it's true. It's that's all, true. It's all fake. Fucking. It's all flavored with fakeness. Oh no, it it absolutely is. Like um, I mean, like how how you have tons of stuff on World War II in the history books when I was growing up, and like maybe a chapter on Vietnam. And <laughs> you're just like, oh, because we didn't do so well in that one, huh? And they don't need no, as much but, propaganda yeah. or something. I don't know. I don't. I I question the whole narrative for the last yeah. ten thousand years at this point. Sometimes. Oh no! Absolutely, absolutely. Um, that that's why people make uh, you know have, are still able to write their thesis on history is because there's so many ways that you can look at it and say like actually if you consider A, B, C, and D. <laughs> so it's uh, yeah. It's, well, it's I'm excited to have you here this week to what, help me guess yeah. the quote. Well, what's your new? Uh, podcast oh okay. yeah yeah my new podcast um i do creeping wave which is like a old-time radio show it's it's kind of the transition of lost bread comic into a radio show because i realized pretty early on i can do a script a lot faster than i can do a script and then add color and add drawings and add text and everything else to it 
Um, and so I, I uh, basically started doing these scripts and recording them as radio shows, uh, kind of like Peter Laurie, Mystery in the Air, or uh, Welcome to Night Vales, like a more modern example. And uh, I was doing that, but I do that only once a year, starting on Halloween. And we usually do like a nine to maybe 13 episode run this year. And uh, so for the rest of the year, to kind of keep people engaged and to keep people like up to date with the storyline, I do the You Mind, which is a semi-scripted, semi-improv uh, kind of spoof of what you guys do, uh, sort of like an esoteric uh, kind of interview show where I interview different people who uh, have, uh, like we interviewed Gabe the Lizard Man. Uh, and we, we've interviewed a guy who was intimate with a uh, whole herd of Sasquatches. And uh, our most recent one that uh, I just recorded last night was uh, Nick the Rat. So, oh, nice. but oh, Nick not the out Rat. yet. Yeah, he's going to be out uh, two weeks from now. Was but, he in uh, character? Of course. I don't yeah, know. I, I still don't know if he is in character all the time or not. He's what, so. What do you good. mean? Well, he's, he's not kind of a person kind of starts. I don't like know. That. I don't know if he talks. Like, I've never heard him lose that voice ever. I'm like, is that his real voice? Is it his I, real I, voice? I believe it is. I've never heard him talk any other way than that. Well, actually, uh, he he is doing a character voice for Creeping Wave. So I did hear him do a character voice, but that is him portraying a character. So. The, the the resting voice I, I believe it is Nick the Rat I think I think that's what he sounds like I think he is probably why a he cartoon rat. rat it's probably that's why he's a rat because his voice the voice <laughs> I believe came he's first. a cartoon rat yeah but the one that's up right now is Tybalt the cat uh, which is a a sentient cat that explains to you the secret workings of the feline world nice so, Ooh, yeah so you just piqued Graham's interest big time. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Oh, how is your your little boy doing? So oh, he's, he's, oh. he's okay. Yeah. Oh, good, yeah. good. So Zeus. Yeah. Zeus, Zeus. Yeah, I couldn't remember. I knew it was something like Hercules or Zeus or something <laughs> like that. But but he's a tuxedo, right? Yeah, he is. Yeah, he's the mm -hmm. cool. He's actually the coolest cat ever. He's he's pretty cool. Yeah. So you're gonna have to see someone walk through the background here. Okay. There you have it. The coolest cat ever. <laughs> the coolest cat ever. Should we do some quotes? Sure, yeah. if you want. We can try and guess some quotes. I'll let Nap go first. I just have one. I just just have one? one? It's not, yeah. <clears throat> it's the profound quote of the week. Darren, can you guess it? I've lost my voice. Which quote? Are oh, you going through oh, an okay. order? Yeah. <clears throat> That's not fair. You just go in an order? No, I don't go in order. No. Okay. I thought I had a different one, but I can't seem to find it now. All right. The whole aim of practical politics is to keep the populace alarmed and hence clamorous to be led to safety and menacing it with an endless series of hobgoblins, all of them imaginary. I think I got it. You don't got it. You always guess the same person every time. <laughs> <laughs> Who do I guess every time? That's. Do you have a guess, Matt? Uh, I gosh, I don't know. Uh, I I know it's not, but Nietzsche. No. Yeah. Uh. No. <clears throat> I want to know who I always guess. 
like Brzezinski or somebody like that. Or... Who's the Brzezinski? <laughs> it's Noam Chomsky, isn't it? No, Fuck. it's H.L. Uh, H. L. Menken. <laughs> H. L. Menken and he's okay. an author. I thought the, cool. hobgoblin, the Hobgoblin was applicable to this, this uh, episode with Cutchins. Elves and goblins and yeah, good stuff. Exactly. Do you know there's a community of gremlins? Have you seen this online? No, where do they yeah. live? Yeah, yeah, no. Um, it's it's a Tumblr community, which is where all the fun starts, isn't it? But they they call themselves uh, goblins, goblins. That's oh, it. Goblins, yeah, and, goblins, yeah, yeah, goblin community, and the hashtag goblin core and a lot of stuff. And it's uh, yeah, it's it's interesting. It's cool. Peruse it. It's <laughs> are you gonna do a? Are they gonna be on you mind soon? You should get them on the show. I, I probably will have a couple goblins on there. We actually do have a fairly strong goblin following. <laughs> you should have. Uh, you should have trance on the show. Trance. <laughs> trance. Yeah. That's my. That's my character's name. Oh, okay. Uh, we my, we will have trance. My hexblade monk fighter vampire. Oh, sweet. That that yeah. would be kind of amazing. Actually, we, we might have to do that. That'd be another crossover. Of course, you guys have been on Creeping Wave yeah, before. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, I yeah. was going to ask, but I thought maybe we got scrubbed from the, from the, uh, from the editing. We well, got killed so, off. <laughs> you, 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 now, here, here's the thing. Yes, yes, your your corporeal forms are dead. Um, you, you did choose to elect to uh, use your last bullets to shoot each other in the head. That's uh, right. <laughs> but uh, Graham's calves live on and keep reappearing throughout the different episodes. And uh, yeah, you, you guys should tune in. Uh, it, it's it's, it's going to be good. But the thing is that because my character is now living in hell and working as an uh, the apprentice to the devil, uh, that uh, it doesn't, no one is ever truly dead. So you may, you may be resurrected in the plot line at some point. Nice. Excellent. Uh, I remember Justin's yeah. voice was great. He He's a, a Russian, Russian guy. guy. Yeah. 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 So yeah, definitely listen in. Uh, there's been a lot of progress with the characters and stuff like that. And we're doing a new season. And so it's, it's going to be kind of interesting. So yeah. it's going to be kind of, yeah. You're not, now you're not making fun of the topics that we talk about, are you? Or no, it's 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 not it's um kind of spoofing on it. Like we still do a heavy amount. I I still do. I shouldn't say we. We makes it sound like it's a big thing, but it's just me. Um, I still do like a heavy amount of research into whatever I talk about. Like with the lizard men, I was still reading books and watching documentaries and all the videos. And I can't remember the guy's name offhand, but he does all the videos online. I... Where he's like, is that? Uh, he he's like, oh, watch, watch. Uh, and culture is going to transform right oh, before you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <clears throat> That's cool. And I, I did a massive amount of research before I wrote the script. So I, I'm not trying to misrepresent it, but I, I'm representing it in more like a skit form. Because my experience is like I was talking about with teaching. When you tell somebody something, like if you say like, okay, this is the evidence that exists here, then they, they, they're repulsed by it. They, they, you get a backlash and they're like, no, you're wrong. And it's like, okay. So if but you just if, tell them that Sasquatch has been sexual for the last while with certain, you know, people, oh, they, it, you know, for the Sasquatch episode was really fun because I, I was a big fan of Diane Fossey when I was younger. I thought I wanted to go into primatology. So I was researching like a whole bunch of stuff about like primate cultures and things like that and making it relevant to the Sasquatches because we don't have a lot of evidence about Sasquatch culture as of yet, but we assume that there's some kind of wood ape, some kind of a primate. And so that one was a really fun one that I did with my friend Travis, who's a professional actor. 
And uh, we we just uh, that one still gets a lot of comments. Like, is this guy for real? <laughs> Man, no, but anything you would hate say. me. I would just go in and shoot up the place. Actually, that's not true. I would just pick one. I tried to pick the oldest, weakest Sasquatch in the origin. I don't know, man. You might want to listen to that episode because you might not want to kill Sasquatches. They've got a lot to offer. They, they, they're they a highly sexual, highly erotic culture. So I want to keep them secret. That's why I'm so desperate to save them. <laughs> he wants to save this ultimate pleasure. So, so are, you put, yeah, no, are you putting these on YouTube and stuff too? Or? Yeah, they're they're on YouTube. Yeah. A lot of the ones on YouTube have short animations that I put with them. Oh, uh, and awesome. uh, unfortunately, we don't have enough subscribers on YouTube yet. I'll send you guys the link to where yeah, we yeah. can have like YouTube slash the You Mind. Yeah, yeah. Um, but uh, we do have a website, theumind.com, and you have links to both Creeping Wave and the you mind so you can listen to both you don't need to listen to both to for them to make sense but it just kind of plays into each other it's a play within a play cool and yeah and uh so you can listen to that i'm trying to do more i'm actually taking a cue from the way you guys have your website set up i'm trying to do more like get on reddit get on i have a discord and i have a twitch i haven't done anything with it yet yeah. but uh yeah. yeah thinking about doing some more interactive stuff with people to sort of build the community but uh, yeah, if you if you guys want to promote the links in your show notes, that would be kind of cool. We will. 100%. For sure. What do you think of all the YouTube controversy going on these days? It scares me, honestly. Yeah. Um, yeah. We were we were talking a little, and you guys know that uh, growing up, nobody was exactly sure where to place me. A lot of people now say like Asperger syndrome or autistic, and I was always just kind of whatever you want to call it. I was always just out of step with what everybody else thinks. So I'd be having a conversation that I thought was normal and people would be like, how dare you? You're disgusting. What is wrong with you? And I'd just be like, whoa, back it up. Tell me what I said and I won't say it again, but I don't know what I said that pissed you off so much. And that attitude would be like, well, if you don't know, I don't have to tell you that's disgusting. Yeah. <laughs> You're a sick. I'm just like, I, I don't want to offend you. I know what being offended feels like. I don't want to do it to other people. I'm not trying to hurt anyone. But if you don't tell me where the boundaries are, I can't figure it out for myself. So I think that what we're going into now is like people are constantly moving the line. And yet you should be respectful. There's yeah. slurs and yeah. like that. that. That's not okay. Exactly. Yeah. But mostly when somebody uses those... I mean, that that's the, the sunlight is the greatest cure for idiocy. <laughs> it's like yeah. put them put them out in the open and say, like, this guy uses some really disgusting language, has some really disgusting ideas, and I don't like him and I'm not going to support him and let them expose themselves for what they are rather than saying, OK, nope, not allowed, not allowed anymore. You're done. And I, I find that scary. Yeah, it's, it's scary how they how they're going to decide who to censor and who not to. I mean, you know, like. One guy can call, uh, you know. I agree, and I flipped on hate speech, too, because, uh, you know, I was okay with hate speech being not okay for a while, but now these days I'm oh, like, no, all speech should be okay. That's interesting. Yeah. And it's I'm an Indian, so I get, no, I'm pretty, you know, no, but that's kind of the way pretty I, down there That's kind of the way I went, too, when we were first talking credit. about this a couple of years ago. I was like, yeah, I wasn't sure, but now it's like, oof. Because it's, because how can a guy from Vox call somebody a white supremacist who's not and that's not considered a slur but then you know or call Crowder, Crowder can call 
you know, use gay slurs against him, and that's that's hate speech. But the other way is not because a white supremacist isn't a you know protected class or whatever. What, however, they define that, it just seems a bit. It's you know, a slippery slope. Yeah. 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 And if when like you have somebody wrong, else, you know, they're both wrong. Yeah. yeah. When you have someone else deciding what's acceptable now, and, and there's certain like things where you have to make a cutoff and stuff like that. Like I, I know a lot of people uh, on the libertarian front say like, well, if somebody wants to reject somebody from their shop, they have every right to. And I'm more like, you can't do that because then, then you never know what shop it's you're allowed so to go. It's so funny when it's YouTube yeah. doing it though, is it? But right. <laughs> yeah. And and so I think kind of with the the YouTube thing, it's just that uh, you you can't you can't make that decision for people unless it's somebody who's genuinely harming people, like somebody like who's like law. trying to, yeah, yeah. So. Like somebody that try. Sorry to interrupt you. Like somebody trying to no, hurt nice. somebody or or well, call like, violence uh, or somebody who like they have proof that they are um, soliciting teenage girls to come to their home and have sex with them, that kind of thing. And th there is a, a YouTuber involved with that who uh, does things like that. And when people have called attention to it and stuff like that, then uh, because they're a longtime YouTuber, I don't even want to say their name, but some, some of the people will know who I'm talking about. Uh, nobody really does anything about it. Uh, and, and this person has done things like, uh, you know, just they go on chat rooms and they approach 16 year old girls and say like, Oh, Hey, I'll fly you out. We can go see a concert together and stuff like that. That I have a problem with like an adult man doing that kind of stuff, but that's not really the same as like making a comment or, you know, just using the FAG word <laughs> or stuff like that. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, that's a good point. Yeah. That's like entrapment. Or yeah. something. Yeah. There's yeah. like these weird different sort of or or I, you know, people also shouldn't be calling out for violence and stuff. I mean, there is laws down in the States for what you're not allowed to say. Like, but what, you know what's yeah. interesting is it's the same people that that say you should be able to not let people make cakes if they don't want to are freaking the fuck out about people getting kicked off of YouTube and Twitter and right. everything else. So it's like I mean, to me that's the exact same argument. It's just a different flavor. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And it's you, you just, you gotta, <laughs> I, I, I think that we're, we're working too hard to police small things and we're not focusing on major issues anymore. And it's maybe it's cause it's easier. Maybe we feel like we're accomplishing more. You, you prevented, you, you canceled somebody who said uh, a racial slur three years ago. You made sure that they don't have a career anymore. And I think a lot of it is that People are so invested in, uh, people are accomplishing a lot less than they have in, in this era. So people see someone who's putting themselves out there, who's, you know, taking risks, doing comedy, doing shows, things like that. They see them as easy prey and they can go through their, you know, sound mine, all their podcasts, all go through Twitter, just look for anything that they said that might be racially insensitive or might be, you know, politically incorrect and they can just use that against them because this person's putting themselves out there and they're not and it makes them feel accomplished with themselves and they they feel like ah ha, ha, I, I stopped you from having a creative outlet and from everything you've worked to accomplish i've stopped you now because of one thing that you said and i think that it's it's this kind of jealousy it's this kind of insidiousness in our culture now that the, these people who sit around doing nothing 
and feel entitled to so much more <laughs> are attacking the people who are actually willing to take a risk. I'm sorry, I'm talking too much. No, I can tell by no, the no, no, that's that's a good point. No, that's a good point. No, that's a really good point. Yeah. It's a smartphone like culture. Yeah. Type yeah. Of capitalism sucks into your twelve hundred dollar smartphone. Yeah. That you're paying for <laughs> on a monthly. Yeah. <laughs> It's a special, special time we live in. It's a special yeah, it's time so to be alive. It's so interesting. I don't <laughs> know what's going I really don't know what's going to happen. This is why you have to support the show. GrandAmerica.ca slash support. So we can get, uh, we can get as much uh, support as we can in this special time before they shut off the special supply line. Yeah. Well, we want to thank you a lot for the art too, Nap. I mean, it's oh, fan- yeah, yeah. fantastic. Everybody loves it. And it's going to be, thanks it's for, gonna be like, hundreds of pieces. Thanks now. for doing all that stuff. Yeah. With, you know, last few weeks where we asked for like five in a week. Do you remember yeah. when you started? Uh, my, my first it was one like was one twenty or something like oh that. Oh God. Yeah. My, my very first one was the pot mafia. And it was the guy who, he was talking about how Jeb Bush was going to win the election oh, was because that one of the, really? yeah. yeah, that was the first one that I ever did. So, and uh, my my heart aches because I, I really wish my first one had been Black Smoke with the girl who saw her boyfriend turn into a jaguar. Yeah, yeah. Because th- that would have been so amazing to illustrate. Well, go for it. Just, if you ever, yeah, ever want to do retroactively. it. Retroactively. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. So I think it's her book cover, though. I think that would be kind of like a slap in the face, wouldn't yeah, it? Maybe. So, yeah. Uh, oh wow! Yeah, that not. was. So that was episode one fourteen. Yeah, that's my first one, and my artwork was way more simplistic back then. It was I. Um, I just wanted to get it out quickly, and I think it was after you guys you started doing an art competition contest, sort of like what No Agenda does. Mm-hmm. And that was a I terrible think, idea. We never should have done that. <laughs> I I agree. No. <laughs> anyway, no. Um. But I I already told you how that broke my heart. But <laughs> <laughs> but um, wiping the tears away. <laughs> but um. Yeah. It's uh. What what I think that's when I started really pushing into overdrive, and like that's when I started actually going like, okay, I'm gonna submit the stuff that I would do for when I do concept art for a video game or for a movie or something. I'm going to submit more on the level of that kind of stuff. And uh, that that's what I did. Because initially I was just like, you know, and, you know, just kind of simple, kind of clean. And then I was like, no, bitch, we're going for the gold. So we, we can still use cuss words here. Da- oh, Darren, of course, uses. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. So I'm just <laughs> looking. So that was that was uh, May 1st, 2015. Yeah. Six years ago? No. Sorry. <laughs> wow. No, four years, four years ago. ago. Yeah. Four years wow. ago, and four that must be hey, that's crazy. 252 pieces. <laughs> 252 yeah. pieces of art. Yeah, and, and I sell those pieces of art. I keep my cost very, very low uh, because I want it to make it affordable to people. So it's, it is usually like $3 for a 10 by 10 and $5 for bigger pieces that I've done. Uh, and I sell it on my website, uh, www.lostbreadcomic.com. I still sell my comic books, my first two issues there, even though it's transferring into a podcast now. But uh, yeah, and uh, so anybody who wants that, uh, go ahead, save your printer ink. Don't try to print it out. I will mail it to you for $5. And if you want to commission something, I work sliding scale. So if you tell me like, you know what, um, I, I just did one for Amstermad. Uh, recently and we worked together and I, he, he lives of course in Amsterdam. So 
shipping costs would be way too much to ask him to pay. Yeah, he's a listener of the show too, I think. He is, yeah. he is. Yeah, and, and you uh, did the awesome artwork for Eric uh, Anthony's book and uh, mm -hmm, and mm -hmm. um, Carl's book as well, yeah. Yeah, yeah, and I, I, I'm, I'm not really there to go crazy on the price or like I, I keep everything pretty inexpensive because I'm more about getting the volume of work in. I would like to get more commissions. I would like you to buy more prints and stuff like that. Um, and so I keep the price pretty low and I'm really willing to work with Amstermad. We, uh, I just sent him a JPEG file and he was able to take it to a printer locally. So he didn't have to pay for me printing it out and, you know, mailing it, which would have been exorbitant and crazy. And so I, yeah, so I'm always trying to keep the cost down for people. That's awesome. I'd rather, yeah. I'd rather you have the artwork than I, I have to make a profit cause it's my job, but yeah. I'd rather I'd rather do it by bulk than say like ah six thousand dollars for this piece. Yeah, like, yeah, exactly. Well, I was thinking eventually what we got to put together is a couple of books. So yeah, we have that's one of my coffee table books that have the art on the front, and then like the show notes on the back. Oh yeah, and get it's one like of my a volume going. If if you go on my Patreon, it's patreon.com slash lucidnap. I know a lot of people aren't supporting Patreon right now, and I totally understand that. <laughs> um, they, they've done some messy things, but uh, you can support me. But one of, one of my goals is when I w reach 1,000 a month on Patreon, uh, then I, I do want to do the Gramerica coffee table book, because I have oh. a printing house that I work with with my comic books and my prints and stuff, and... They do like hardbound books and everything. And I think it would be really cool to have that. Just have the artwork. I can put my show notes because some of them have stories that go with them. Like uh, one of them, I can't remember. It's like a stone head coming out of water with a staircase and a red door. I, I had to go on a medical fast for that. Uh, and I was <laughs> massively ill when I was drawing that. And so I was sitting there drawing it on my computer but I had uh, a, a trash can, an empty trash can sitting to the side of me that I was throwing up in and then going back and drawing and throwing up in and going back and drawing <laughs> oh because the, the medical fast was a horrible, horrible, I think it was uh, three weeks. You don't actually fast like fully no food for three weeks, but you're given like special things that you're allowed to eat that, yeah. And, and saline solution, I don't know if you've ever had to do that where you drink heavily salinated water salty water and Eesh. it's supposed to make you go the other way for me it always comes out my mouth yeah. <laughs> and i just get very very sick for hours and hours and but i was like no we got to get this done for grammarica we got to get the message out and it was we yeah. appreciate it yeah, yeah. We appreciate sure. it. 250 this this episode <laughs> will be uh number 253 yeah. Art number Very 253, cool. episode number yeah. 356. <clears throat> you, ever you ever thought about commissioning like art for D&D characters? Oh, I totally do that for you. I, that's, a uh, when, that's, a, that's a good little avenue. I mean, it's growing. It's growing so much. You can yeah. get out there in that community and do art for people. D&D yeah, is exploding. I, uh, I, I do that. I do that for uh, also there's a, a lot of different communities online uh, that have uh, like furries, if you're familiar with them. <laughs> yeah. I. Yep. I'm I'm not part of the community. I have no problem with them, but the, they'll say like, "Hey, my character is you know a half wolf or something like that. Can you draw that?" And I'm like, "Yeah, no problem." And we kind of go back and forth. I give them sketches, and they uh, say like, "No, no, no. He he's like more rugged looking." And I'm like, "Okay, okay. We'll rugged him up and that kind oh, of thing." Boy. So and then do they oh, have boy. to be like? Do this is going to be a process. Are they in with positions that. with other furries and stuff. You get to that point. 
I, I'm thinking about doing some furry conventions. Um, I, like I, furry I, I'm not. Porn? Do you ever do furry porn? Oh yeah, right? yeah, I, yeah. I draw furry porn. Mm -hmm. yeah. Um, I don't post it online because usually it is uh, most of the stuff that I do with that is kind of personal to the yeah, person yeah, that I'm exactly, drawing yeah. for. Yeah. So I'm not. I'm not like here. So and so's <laughs> fantasy. <laughs> but, uh, oh, Grandma has some D and D stuff. I'm sure. <laughs> if you if you want D and D or D and D porn, I'm totally cool with you. I I I really have no. <laughs> yeah. Grimstake um, might like that, but I yeah. don't. Oh, that's okay. Oh, Grimstake's um, all over that. Oh boy. Him and him and, him and James, Jason, James Cruz. Yeah. Oh, uh, yeah. Oh, okay. are always kind of <laughs> what? <laughs> I'd be be more than happy to draw some porn for you, and and I'll I'll be very tasteful about it. I, I one thing I learned when I was doing um I worked a lot with the um bondage community. I'm not involved with it myself, but we we worked a lot with them. And one thing I learned from that is like you never laugh or you never like mock anything that somebody comes at you with. If if they say like I want you to dress up like a duck and call me daddy, then you're just like that's that's what I'm going to do. And that's how I approach art yeah, is yeah. that if if you tell me to draw something and it's within like it's not something yeah. horribly offensive like children or something like that, yeah. um then I I'm totally fine with drawing it for you and i will be tasteful about it and i don't judge you at all i just i, I want you to be happy with it that's yeah. what i want yeah that's awesome there yeah. you have it right on mm -hmm. right on yeah well if so, you want yeah. a sample just check out the last 250 episodes that's right that's right the, the this one this one's pretty cool actually I, I liked doing this one so i got in trouble on tumblr for drawing up boobies um, so, oh yeah, that Tumblr happens. Has, Apple doesn't yeah, Tumblr, like nipples either. No, but I, I felt kind of flattered, and I talked about this on my podcast uh, yesterday. Is uh, that Tumblr recognized what they were? Because it's like kind of a compliment to me as an artist that <laughs> oh, somebody is at risk of becoming offended or aroused by these. <laughs> then I was like, good, okay, good. That that's what I'm aiming for. Yeah, nailed it. The machine intelligence yeah. algorithm picked it up. Yeah. That must be pretty good. <laughs> of course, it also picks up elbows. Have you heard about that? <laughs> no. no I, I got to try that now. We'll get, we'll get Graham's Instagram account banned. <laughs> That's probably as good a spot as any to wrap it up. Yeah, thanks, Nat. Thanks for joining right. us, Nat. Thanks to the listeners. Hey. Support the show if hey. you can. Get some art. And enjoy the okay. chat with... Who's to chat with again? I forgot. Oh, Joshua Kitchen. Kitchen.
All right, so tonight we've got a special one here. We've got Joshua Cutchins with us. I can't believe we haven't talked yet. It's been years uh, since I've been hearing about his work, and he's he's been on all kinds of programs. He's a regular on Where Do the Road Go, and he's been on Mysterious Universe and a bunch of other other shows, and he's written a few really interesting books, kind of getting into the topics that people, or the details of the paranormal topics that people haven't really covered much, like a Trojan Feast, and his other book was The Brimstone Deceit, and then... Uh, Oh, there's a really interesting one as well about Thieves in the Night. That one's getting a little bit scary. We can talk about some of those, but he's also got some upcoming work as well that we want to talk about. And, and yeah, the topics are uh, wide and, and various, and thanks for coming on. It's finally good to talk to you, Joshua. Likewise, guys. It's a, it's a pleasure to have a, a window into the igloo. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah, this is the new igloo kind of. We moved into a yeah. new space here, so, yeah. E- igloo 2.0, yeah. Igloo space 2.0, igloo. yeah, exactly. That's what we're calling it. Yeah, it's going good. So congratulations on uh, on your new family and stuff. And I know you've been away from podcasting for a while, so we're glad to uh, get you back into the groove here. Yeah, it's good to be back on the horse. You know, I had to take three months old today, so I had to take some time off to make sure I got my life back in order. So right we'll see. I'm doing a little little run here and, you know, a podcast, and we're going to see how it fits in the schedule, and hopefully I'll be back in the saddle relatively soon with all that. Well, you've done a lot of interesting work on on different aspects of the paranormal and fairy lore and all kinds of stuff. And I just realized, as we were talking before, I didn't know that you and Darren, the way you guys finally connected and scheduled this thing is, I guess, Darren sent, uh, what did you do, Darren? You sent a pic of your, your daughter was interested in fairies or sent a pic of one or something? And Well, we were out in Golden, yeah. out by Golden, staying at a cabin. And I wasn't there for the picture taken, but uh, Lisa and Madison went for a walk on the trail. And Madison just said, give me the phone. She grabbed the phone and took a couple pictures. And then when they were looking at the pictures, that's when they noticed said fairy. Oh, wow. Which, um, yeah, we'll discuss here today. Yeah, so that's interesting. And I've also got, I mean, I also got had an experience when we were out doing the CE5 stuff looking for UFOs. And one of the ladies that's with us is uh, she's... You know, she said she always captures these orbs and stuff, and some people seem to have that knack at it, and she was taking pictures of fairies and orbs, and uh, thought that was interesting, too, because, I, I mean, I wouldn't normally put that much uh, into photo- photographs and videos and stuff, but since I was there that night and we were looking at them as they were being taken, it was pretty, pretty interesting event, so I thought we could get your take on that as well. So, but, uh, but you're also working on some, uh, some other stuff, right, coming up? Yeah, uh, I've got a couple of different irons in the fire. The, the one that's occupying me still right now, I've just started going back through my chapters that I've written for it, and I'm editing it. Is uh, I'm I'm working on completing a two-part, most likely two-part uh, series on uh, the high strangeness of Bigfoot. <laughs> I love uh, it <laughs> with uh, with with Timothy Renner, who has the podcast Strange Familiars. Uh, Tim contacted me. I talked to him on and off. Uh, on where did the road go here and there, but he contacted me a while back and said, you know, this book needs to be written and I would like for you to be the one to write it with. Uh, and you know, I, I, uh, I'm pretty picky about people that I collaborate in terms of, in terms of how they write and sort of the way that they think. But, uh, Tim and I really seem to be a match made in heaven on this. So we're talking about a lot of the stuff that, uh, are probably a lot of it's going to make cryptozoologists who of the nuts and bolts, flesh and blood variety, pretty furious um we're talking about you know the disappearing stuff the cloaking stuff the disappearing foot the disappearing trackways um pointing out a lot of these inconsistencies um and also looking at you know looking at a lot of this stuff through folklore um you know no one's ever really 
done a comparison of you know modern Bigfoot lore and Bigfoot, uh, sorry, and uh, fairies. Uh, but you can also draw parallels between uh, you know Bigfoot reports and yeah, old reports of witches, yeah, you know, uh, and yeah. you know, and UFOs. And yeah. um, there's 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 actually a link that that Tim found that I I when he first told me I'm like there's nothing there, dude. That's one or two cases. There's nothing there. Um, but he actually found a connection between um, these apparitions of women in white associated with Bigfoot reports, which is something that I just didn't think <laughs> I thought it was going to be a pretty a pretty uh, dry well that he was he was digging there. But as it turns out, it's just, you know, this entire project's like really like drinking through a hose. You just pick at it a little bit and you just get this gush of information. <laughs> yeah. So I was looking at, you know, I was looking at my chapters and I'm like, uh, Tim, my chapters are my chapters alone are about as long as one of my books. So wow. <laughs> we're going to split it. Yes. But it was just, there's just so much to talk about. There's so much strangeness associated with Bigfoot. You know, I mean, I'm, I'm more sympathetic nowadays than Tim is to the idea that Bigfoot is a flesh and blood creature. And look, I, I, I want it to be right. Cause that way we'll actually get some answers someday, but there's just a lot of strange stuff out there. And, um, I, you know, people have mentioned it here and there, but by and large, the conversation has been dominated by people who are really, invested in the idea that this is some sort of undiscovered relic primate or something along yeah, those lines. Yeah, exactly. I mean, that's what I always come back to is the high strangest part of it because, you know, Darren and I joke around here. I mean, I've got my shirt on here, save Sasquatch. I mean, he's, I'm not the one that's going to shoot the guy. Darren, Darren's the one that's going to take the shot. I don't think, you know, we should be shooting and I don't think he can shoot him because he's going to disappear or something. I mean, there's enough high strangeness yeah. out there that, that that's what I always come back to is there's so many accounts of it that, I'm glad you're putting all that together because it's, I think it's a part that doesn't necessarily disprove or prove anything maybe, but uh, it's that, that, that to me is not important. There's so much evidence that it just has to, you can't just hide that in a little bucket and say it doesn't exist. And, and the same goes with high strangers and other things too. I mean, you know, people want to just, just ignore that section of it and you can't. Absolutely. I mean, so to provide, so, I'm not implying that there's some sort of vast cryptozoological conspiracy because a lot of those guys have really laid their lives at the altar of cryptozoology and and Bigfoot and you know whatnot. But uh, you know, even some of these landmark cases that people talk about, they sort of willingly omit a lot of, of strange details. Are are oh. either of y'all familiar with the Ape Canyon case? No. Uh, no, I don't think so. So the Ape Canyon case is often talked about in sort of they talk people when cryptozoologists tend to talk about it. They tend to focus on the culmination of that event, which was in a location that has since become known as Ape Canyon, um, in up in the Pacific Northwest. Uh, there were some miners who took a pot shot at Bigfoot, and uh, they later that night their cabin was you know under siege by several hairy creatures that were throwing rocks at them, and it, was, it, it sounds like a very sort of you know flesh and blood ape attack. But if you actually read the writings of one of the primary witnesses, Fred Beck, who actually owned the mining claim, a lot of weird stuff unfolds. Um, for example, Fred Beck, to his dying day, was convinced that it was some sort of spiritual, psychic, poltergeisty kind of phenomena. And, wow. and, the, and the things the things leading up to the Ape Canyon attack just don't get talked about. Uh, not that they're necessarily hidden or anything, but people just don't talk about it when they talk about the Ape Canyon attack. So uh, Fred Beck was looking for a mining claim, and he was told by a spiritual being that he would uh, find a, si a, a white arrow that was supposed to guide him to it. So him and his miners saw this white arrow in the sky guiding them to this mining claim. Um, you know, once they were there, uh, you know, they actually 
uh, heard sounds of machinery underground, which you know has some echoes of the Skinwalker Ranch stuff. And uh, perhaps most telling, there were there were you know two footprints, one or two, can't remember which, but there was a series of isolated footprints, either one or two, on a sandbar that was like an acre wide. And one of the guys in the in the mining uh, group actually said, you know, it looks like something was dropped from the air and then picked back up again. Yeah. And and people just don't talk about this. When people do, I mean, you think of I think of a quote from Rene DeHinden, who was, you know, one of the biggest flesh and blood cryptozoologists. And he said, you know, oh, oh I think Fred went, you know, sort of crazy in his old age, which is an attitude that really, really, you know, gets on my nerves when you're putting so, when you're investing so much as, you know, a ufologist or a cryptozoologist, when you're investing so much in the power of the witness's narrative, I don't think it's up to you to cherry pick what they said they saw and didn't see. That that seems dishonest to me. Yeah, that's a good, that's a really good point. So what, what did, when you, when you said they took pot shots, did they, did that happen? Like did did the cloud, did the arrow lead them to anything and did they, they took shots? Like they actually, the arrow led them to the mining claim actually, where they actually began um, mining themselves. And, uh, once they got there, they were they named it after another spiritual being, which Fred Beck never describes. But he, he they named it they named actually named the mining claim after this spiritual being that Fred Beck saw that was and her name was Vander White. So there's another sort of lady in white connection, even though it doesn't describe that she was wearing white. Her name is you know Vander White. Yeah. Um. So yeah, there's just a bunch of little threads like that to pull on, and uh, that's how a book just metastasizes into two volumes like it has. Yeah, yeah, and they so, so they they took a shot. So what are, yeah, what, are the, yeah. what are the instances where like where people try to shoot it in it? I mean, I've heard stories of, uh, you know, they look at the thing's face before they shoot it and they, and they realize it's sort of human or they get a look into its eyes and they kind of can't pull the trigger or they've tried to pull the trigger and it's hit them and it hasn't done any damage or the thing disappears. Like are those, yeah, yeah. those are all things. Uh, yeah, are, I mean. Yeah, I mean, there's so many variations and variants on that. You know, it, 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 they you know fire a shotgun at point blank range and it disappears in a flash of light, or they wow. fire high caliber bullets at it and it doesn't even seem to flinch. And you know, people will rightly point out that um, that a revolver will not, you know, a small caliber revolver will not stop a grizzly bear. But yeah. the grizzly bear, if you hit, it's going to react in some form or fashion. Yeah. And if you're actually unloading on it, I I, I found a story of some guys who like um, claim. Claimed to have unloaded with an automatic assault rifle, and the thing just didn't do anything. Wow. Um, and of course, you know, some of these—that's you know—that's that, sort of probably a point of contention. Some of the stories that are in this book are not always from unimpeachable sources, but when you look at the way that the cryptozoological community at large reacts to these these stories of this type, uh, it really is no surprise to me that you sort of have to go to places that. You know, you you have to go into some areas of where people are being anonymous, or they're just you know putting uh, sort you know put, sending their answers into a website, which is something that in my previous work I've tried to avoid at all costs. Um, you know, a, a couple have to slip in here and there, but I, I tend to not use as much, uh, you know, like you know uh, stories from websites because yeah. the 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 controls there are just not quite up to snuff. But if you've got a community that actively you know either ignores or worse. Uh, you know, worse uh, makes fun of ridicules. Yeah. yeah. Ridicules these stories. And it's, it's no surprise to me that, you know, you kind of have to go to, you know, some sites and it's not like we're, you know, going on a creepy pasta or an online message board or anything for these stories. There, there's some reputable websites that we use that have had stories sent in, but uh, you sort of do have to go to more of those listener stories and, you know, uh, yeah. then, 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 I, then you would for my other work, which tends to focus on, you know, Oh, this was in 
this publication or this book or this, you know, other, other things like that. Yeah. So, I mean, can it be, can they be flesh and blood and something else? I mean, it seems like that's what's really happening. I mean, they're leaving physical traces and yet, and yet, you know, the, the flesh and blood people are expecting something more um, prosaic, a skunk ape kind of thing or some sort of, uh, you know, like you were saying uh, before, but it seems like there's a bit of both going on there. Well, you know, I, I'm of two minds about this. I, uh, I really, my, my first reaction is to think about, you know, the Mike Clellan model. And I just had the wonderful chance to spend a weekend with Mike at this conference that I was just at this past weekend. And, uh, he's a lovely, him and his, him and his girlfriend are, are absolutely lovely people. And, you know, Mike doesn't think that every owl has to do with UFOs. There are some owls that are just owls, you know, that are just birds, <laughs> you know, um, but, uh, at the same time, his research has really sort of uncovered the fact that there are sometimes instances where these owls, uh, are, you know, in his words, messengers for whatever this other is that lies behind the UFO phenomena or even behind spiritual phenomena as well. So the idea that at least I don't think Mike says as much, but the idea that I perceive is that, uh, this other intelligence sort of co-ops the imagery of the owl to convey a message or to actually, you know, wear as a mask. I really like the idea that there is, because like, as you said, there's plenty of physical evidence. In fact, I would say that all other, you know, anomalous disciplines have Bigfoot envy in terms of the amount of physical evidence that they have. <laughs> but, uh, but, um, you know, so I, I'm, I, I'm fond of the idea that there is a relic hominid out there that sometimes whatever this other intelligence is appropriates because you find similar stories about screen memories of deer and UFO encounters and, uh, raccoons and other things, but at the same time, um, even if Bigfoot has, you know, is purely metaphysical, I mean, non-physical phenomena can leave physical impacts on our environment. I mean, psi phenomena is a great example of that. You know, the fact that uh, the fact that your consciousness can leave uh, or can actually act in the physical world, even though it's intangible and non-physical, um, suggests that we don't necessarily need to have this sort of uh, dichotomy of is you know if it's well it's either you know flesh and blood because it leaves physical evidence or it's not i mean again ghost phenomena is the same way i mean one of the primary means of discerning whether or not a building was haunted at one point was to spread talcum powder on the floor and wait for footsteps to manifest so i think just i, I think that i mean i think there is a met I'm convinced at this point there is a metaphysical component to what some people are describing as Bigfoot. How how deep that rabbit hole goes, I'm not entirely sure. But uh, you know, I, I try to be non-dogmatic about things because as soon as you are, something comes along and, <laughs> and knocks your feet out from underneath you. Can you buy silver bullets? If it's metaphysical, do you need a silver bullet to shoot, shoot a Bigfoot? I think that's more for vam <laughs> vampires and lycanthropes. I don't think. I don't think that. <laughs> But you know, it's interesting that you mentioned that because there is a there there are some interesting connections between um, Bigfoot and I, I, I won't say Dogman reports. I mean, some people will say that there is as well. But um, there's an there's some interesting connections between Bigfoot and a lot of werewolf lore um, as well. I mean, you have stories of of Bigfoot. This is something not a lot of people talk about, but you have stories of Bigfoot wearing clothing. <laughs> you know, you have stories of Bigfoot wearing a flannel shirt, or I mean, one thing that really crops up often is Bigfoot wearing a belt. And uh, 
one of the means by which witches would transform men into werewolves was by giving them a, a, a garter, which, you know, is basically a belt. Wow. Um, so, yeah, just little things like that that you look at and you say, I don't I don't know what's going on here. You know, I'm, I'm kind of where I am right now. I'm thinking that there, it has something to do with archetypes and, uh, you know, metaphors or, you know, uh, not metaphors, but archetypes sort of coming to life in a way. Uh, because a lot of the a lot of the European wild man lore uh, maps directly onto the Bigfoot thing as well. So we're 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 excited about it. It's it's a huge project, and I'm trying to you know in between feeding babies, I'm trying to squeeze out uh, some edits to some of these chapters because I've just done a first pass on all of it. Nice. Um, but what we're shooting for, I think, autumn of this year. That's when I, we hope to have. I guess volume one out. I can't see us releasing them both at the same time, but maybe we will. I don't know. Right. It's still not a hundred percent that it's going to be two two volumes, but I feel pretty confident that it's going to have to be split. Do you have a name um, yet? And uh, I'm sorry. Do you have oh. a name yet? Or uh, yeah, where where the footprints end? Where the footprints end? And um, I th- I'm relatively certain that we have uh, an individual lined up who will be writing the forward. Provided he likes it, uh, and it's an individual uh, whom uh, you've had on the show, and uh, I think it's, it, I think it, uh, when you see who that person is, it'll sort of give you an idea of the sort of Bigfoot book that we've written. You know, it's nice. not, it's yeah. not a, not a cryptozoologist. Think more chaos magician. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. Gordon White. Wait. <laughs> That's so funny. I didn't, I didn't say that. Maybe. Uh, I just, well, it's funny because I just listened to. I keep in my head. I'm, I'm hearing your Gordon White interview, and it, it's. Uh, it's like it's just sprouting a lot of ideas well, and you thoughts. Know, you know, Gordon and I have had this long-standing joke that uh, no one outside of America likes Bigfoot, and uh, so I've had this joke that he he would write the foreword, and, and you know, at one point he's like, "But you know, you, you know that I would, right?" I was like, "Oh, well, shit, <laughs> maybe we should." So pending pending, you know, him having time uh, because he's a very busy guy, and pending him. Uh, you know, uh, not finding anything in it that he objects to or finding it, you know, of quality. That's the, that's the current plan is to have Gordon write it. Nice. Uh, that's, that's fantastic. But, but, you know, until it's done, it's, you know, it's, it's all fluid. Yeah. Yeah. Um, what I, I was just thinking about it. Cause we always call them Sas them Sasquatch up here and uh, up here. And well, I don't want to be, I don't want to assume genders, right. They could be females or males. So what do you, but you guys call them Bigfoot down there. Is that a, is that a U.S. thing or is that a, West is Sasquatch a West Coast thing, or does it even matter? Like, it's it, it's 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 a uh, it's it's pretty much an American thing. I mean, that term cropped up during the uh, you know sort of the the Ray Wallace uh, so, you know, the, the Ray Wallace uh, incident in the nineteen uh, seventies. I'm trying to remember the exact date here. Uh, uh, that was sort of the first print mention of Bigfoot. Sorry, not the seventies. Geez, the fifties. I'm sorry. <laughs> I've got baby brain. Um, but, uh, yeah, actually, um, it's, it's, I, I have tended not to like the term Bigfoot. I've always tended to prefer the term Sasquatch, but okay. I use them interchangeably and they, yeah, they show yeah. up interchangeably in, in the book. You know, a lot of people tend to think that Sasquatch was a native American name and it's, it's, it's not, it's really an Anglicanization of a bunch of different native American names that they sort of mash together. And, you know, <laughs> some of the closest stuff that you find in indigenous lore is like, Seskak is, yeah. is sort of the thing that you'll find. And then I, yeah. yeah. Huh. What's your favorite name? My favorite Bigfoot name. 
Um, I think one of my favorite. So, so a lot of cultures have sort of Bigfoot Sasquatch analogs. You know, sort of different, uh, different like Yeti names. And all that. Yeah, oh yeah, exactly. But you know, um, so like I'm thinking of uh, uh, Skookum and uh, you know Bukwas and and uh, Kushtaka. I I really like uh, Dusanokwa, which is a Tlingit uh, word from Alaska. Um, because she's a little bit more of a she's a little bit more of a witch character. You find a lot of parallels between her and like you know Baba Yaga um, from from uh, Siberia and from you know Russia, uh, because she she picks up children and, and drops them into a a, uh, a basket. Wow! Um, but she's she's covered in hair and she you know I think memory serves. Uh, I don't have the notes for this in front of me, but she you know has a a skull from which she drinks and gains eternal life. And it's, it's really weird stuff. And that's the thing. I mean, there's, there's plenty of indigenous lore that talks about, uh, you know, these creatures as being flesh and blood. And there's plenty of lore that talks about them being spirit beings and plenty of lore that talks about them being somewhere in between. Um, my, my problem is that, uh, is that cryptozoology has historically basically just said, you know, when they're being told, you know, that's a deer by, by indigenous people. They're like, that's a deer and we kill it and we eat it. And that's a rabbit and we kill it and we eat it. And that's, you know, that's a fish and you can kill it and eat it. But that is, that's a, that's a Sasquatch. And it's this mysterious, uh, you know, supernatural being. And, and they just don't listen to them. You know, <laughs> they just, you know, they, they assume that they uh, know, I assume that they know the environment in which these people lived uh, better than those people did, and that's that's a little bit it's a little bit problematic for me. Not that I'm the sort of person to really you know flock to those sort of uh, those sort of attitudes, but it's it's a little bit problematic to me. And I, I think that um, especially with the way that materialism as a paradigm just, seems to be on the ropes. I was just now is not the time. <laughs> Yeah, now is not the time to double down on this interpretation. Yeah, that's. I was just going to say that. I mean, it seems like to me that that might be changing a little bit as, you know, cryptozoology might change a little bit along with that. Materialism is like basically like you talk a lot about on some of your other shows. The sci researchers is really what what gets you. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> you know what you'll hang your hat on, and that's that's really showing. <laughs> yeah, and, we, and we know we've had a couple. I mean, we had this. Uh, you know, this Mark Gober on and, and then to up the upside down thinking. I mean, there's people that are coming out now that are just, they're old materialists or they're old, you know, atheists. And they're coming out and saying like, okay, the things aren't what we've been, what we've been told all along. And then there's lots of evidence to show it once you start looking. Yeah, it's, um, I mean, I've often said that cryptozoology is going to be the last of these sort of Fortean unexplained disciplines to get on the consciousness bandwagon. but. Um, it's interesting. You get you get people to the bar at the conference, and they'll start to admit some things, you know. But you know, the, the public face is, oh no, this is you know, we're going to catalog this and we're going to give it a scientific name and this and that and the other, which which I admire. But you know, it's been how long? How many years have you been doing this? And you don't have a body. Maybe it's time to try a different tactic, like shooting it. Hey, I'm I'm actually I'm I'm pro if Bigfoot is flesh and blood, I'm I'm pro kill. I'm sorry. Oh jeez. Um, you know, oh, yeah, bro. I uh, could hear Grab's heart break from here. I know, man. I just but but, but I mean, you know I, I mean that's that's the price of admission if you want it cataloged. I mean that's I think that's 
or maybe pro capture, but as I, th- I think you guys have talked about on the show before, like the idea that you can just stick a multi-purpose tranquilizer dart into a gun and shoot and shoot something, <laughs> and it won't, you know, either piss it off or kill it, is you know is yeah. that's a movie. That's a that's a that's a you know that's a Hollywood fantasy. You actually have to have a good idea of the creature's metabolism and its weight and all that sort of thing. And um, you have to have it. I mean, there's you already got a couple million hunters wandering around with shotguns. Yeah. Yep. For every trank gun, I mean, there's a thousand rifles. Okay, so, so let me amend that. Maybe I'm not pro 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 kill. Maybe I'm, but I am pro body. So, um, I mean, of course, the, the 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 best scenario would be to find something that's already been killed, or for there to be an accident of some sort. An accident. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> to get a hitman to go kill Bigfoot. Were you hoping it was Harry, an accident? So you wish Harry would have died in Harry and the Hendersons. No, come on! I'm not that, that heartless. But that scenario, like you'd, uh, you'd mean, prefer that I'm driving my truck down the road and I accidentally run down a Bigfoot than if you then have to actually someone shoot it. Because that's a tougher uh, one. It's way more likely to be a guy in a suit. If your yeah, things oh yeah, are no, moving fast, you're in your truck. It's a Bigfoot. <laughs> oh, ab- no, ab- ab- absolutely. Ab- I mean, ab- absolutely. That's that's. It's probably. <laughs> He's just like, you know, Frank, why? You hear these stories about, um, about, you know, Bigfoot or people dressed up as Bigfoot wandering out. And it's amazing that more people haven't, you know, been, been killed or been accidentally killed. Um, I actually had a, had a, a family friend who, whose son was really into Bigfoot and he had, um, his dad had like gutted a deer and, like the day before during hunting season. So he took like all the viscera and like dropped it by the side of the road and would wait in his Bigfoot costume for cars to come along and would walk across the road. And his dad just laid into him after he found that out. He's like, uh, yeah, you could have, you could have been killed in a lot of ways. Somebody could have shot you or hit you. Or do you track some wolves with your, with your, Deer carcass, yeah, and then you get yeah, exactly. eaten. Bigfoot's getting well, chased by a pack of wolves down the road. Less of less of a problem in um, less of a problem in North Carolina, but you know, coyotes definitely for sure. No wolves down there. Uh, they have red wolves in the eastern part of the state, um, and uh, it's it's a poorly kept secret that uh, that that pumas have made a really strong comeback. I mean, every, every, you know, there are plenty of sightings. And on top of that, I think a couple of years ago, there was someone who hit one in the dead of winter with their car and killed it. Um, wow. That's in the, that's in the Western part of the state. Yeah. These, these things are here. It, it, you know, that's, that's a conspiracy I can definitely get behind is the idea that uh, the DNR is just not wanting to acknowledge the fact that the species has bounced back as strongly as it has. Um, okay, well, so it's probably Western, uh, you know, mountain lion as opposed to Eastern, but still, they don't want to really acknowledge that because it's just one more thing for them to have to deal with. I think, yeah. um, just in terms of you know resources and management and whatnot. I mean, so here's here's the ironic thing. I mean, there was, oh, this is probably about ten years ago or so. Um, even though supposedly there's no you know thriving uh, mountain lion population east of the Mississippi, uh, there was a, an actual warning put out on. Uh, a warning put out at Mammoth Cave State Park in Kentucky that was warning people about, you know, people have seen a mountain lion, so, you know, tread lightly. So, no no mountain lions in uh, east of the Mississippi, but we're still going to warn you about them anyway. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. 
So the, I mean, do you want to get into the fairy stuff now, Darren, or do you? Well, want to... I sent, uh, I did send the picture. Okay. To uh, Joshua, I sent it just in the Skype chat because all the internet is being, uh, the internet is not cooperating tonight. Yeah, I lost, I lost your, I lost your video. So I assume that everything's good on your end, and we're just going to keep on forging ahead. We're just going to keep yeah, you on bet. forging yeah, sounds, ahead. Uh, the audio is pretty we've, good. We've so. done the YouTube screen to just a picture because every or the video stream to just a picture because the audio, the internet is not cooperating. Anyway, I did send you the picture, and it is the picture that's on the YouTube right now. Yes. So what do you think we've got here? So, you know, I've been thinking about this a lot because, uh, you know, you all sent me some other pictures that I that I actually, uh, there are a couple of those that I really like. Um, we'll go so, through one by one here today. Okay, so 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 the, the first one that you sent me, um, the one that sort of started this entire conversation, um, I like. Uh, it, I haven't been able to get too close, but, um, I think the fact that it's this really odd blue anomaly, uh, is really especially interesting. Uh, if you look at sort of the, the, the colors that are described of fairy lights, uh, that's, that's, that's a very common, uh, color that you see. Um, you know, I, I am generally pretty skeptical of, of orb and fairy photos, uh, but having said that, you know, if, if you think that every orb or fairy photo is showing you an orb or a fairy, you're wrong. And if you think that every orb or fairy photo is not showing an orb or fairy, you're also wrong. <laughs> exactly. You know? That's exactly. So, I mean, there, there, there's some middle ground in there that I think you have to be, you know, discerning enough to, to, to pick out. Um, you know, if somebody shows me something that looks a little, um, that looks a little bit nondescript or looks a little bit uh, amorphous, I guess. Um, I'm much more likely to to latch on to that than an image of something that looks like, you know, a person with wings for a couple of different reasons. Um, the, the primary reason, although, well, we can talk about why this is sort of a flawed idea, but the primary reason is because if you look at sort of the evolution of that fairy image, um, the addition of wings is an 18th century children's storybook edition. Ah. It is it has zero it has zero uh, zero widespread uh zero widespread precedent in actual fairy lore. Having said that, fairies could levitate, but there was never actually this idea that they were these people with, like, bug wings. That, that's not something you really see. Um, uh, at, at the same time, I do think that these phenomena tend to utilize and latch on to pop culture impressions of things. You know, I think the fact that whatever's behind the UFO phenomena seems to keep on recontextualizing itself and changing its face and you know, changing the sort of craft it uses, I think that that I think that that speaks to the fact that we play a role in creating these things. But so that's that's the first reason that I sort of shy away from those. The second reason is that a lot of those pictures of of you know what looks like a person with wings, um, I have I have yet to see one that I don't see and and can't unambiguously say it's not a bug illuminated by a flash or something. Um, I you know ready to, ready to be proven wrong. Um, that's kind of what when, I just when, I, I my, my threshold. Go ahead. Sorry. No, no, we we just lost you for a sec there. But that's actually what I was uh, when I emailed you all the orbs and uh, and the pictures uh, from our CE five there. That's kind of what my thought was on the uh, on the the fairy looking one with the wings. Is like, is that just the flash catching that bug? You know, right. But instead, yeah, no, there's, there's the a bunch that... of bugs in the air, but somehow 
it's uh it's caught that one bug more than the others i really like um i think it's the it's it's on the it's either the second no it's not the second photo i think it's probably the no it's probably the second photo because then you zoom in on it it's on the second page uh i like i really like that one a lot because it reminds me of the original image that uh that that uh, that started this conversation and it's the same hue of blue but in that image it's almost like these little small rogue figures in a tree you know which which photo oh, i'm referring yeah, to yeah 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 that's like, that's like, by far my yeah, favorite see, because not yeah. only does it look like these small robed figures but it kind of looks like they have heads on top oh, i'm not right, ruling yeah. out that that's not i'm not ruling out that that's not you know some sort of uh you know, some, image some, artifact or something, yeah, yeah. but it's that that really interests me. And of course, you know, it means with a lot of the orb photos, I, you know, if it's if it's just if it's just one orb, that's I mean that that's interesting to me. If it's like twelve orbs, it's like well, maybe that was some dust or some sort of particulate. Um, but uh, so, so I mean, like the orb the orb photos, I'm kind of always even you know in ghost hunting and stuff too. I'm kind of like agnostic on. Not that I don't think that orb phenomena is real and that you can't go to places and see anomalous light phenomena. I mean, I I saw a little bit of that um, with with Tim Renner this past week when I was uh, at one of his research sites. So, but I just it's it's you know it, you know photographic evidence is just a difficult thing to sit with, especially you know this day and age. Yeah, yeah, totally. Yeah, some of the, the, orbs, the those other ones do sort of look like the same blue, though, don't they? They do. They do. It's it's almost the. I would be surprised. I would not be surprised if it's the same color value. Um, and then you know some of the, some of these green orbs that you sent in the CE five stuff uh, are interesting too because that's just not. Those don't look like the way that you know particulates tend to tend to illuminate to my eye at least. And you know what? You can't you can't write out the fact. You can't you can't dismiss rather the fact. Uh, that you know, you guys were. I mean, at, at that event, the point was to have something strange happen. I mean, you know, these yeah, yeah. these ph- photographs don't exist in a continuum. Um, I'm sorry, don't exist in a vacuum. Rather, they exist in a continuum of you know what was happening at the time and and you know different uh, different different circumstances that you know may make it seem a little bit more. Uh, strange than it does you know just someone who's just coming in cold and just wants to have this knee-jerk reaction of writing them off so uh but i mean there's some definite definitely definitely some interesting stuff in that in that uh, stuff that you sent me but that one with those those almost look like figures in the tree really is interesting to me there's uh one photo that i i really love not one that you sent over <laughs> so, but there's there's a there's a photo um out there of a cornish pixie face that's a really weird image i'll have to see if i can't find it and drop it your way um yeah and i mean the one thing is you know there's so so many interesting parts to this because one of the guys was talking about his spirit guide sort of slash guru that he was talking about and i can't remember if somebody had said they had sensed it or if he had sort of said that he was there and then that one orb that was taken over his head looks very different it's got that multicolored, almost like a fabric like uh, appearance to it and I mean, there's a couple. Actually, there's a now, there's, now that I say it, there's a there's see yeah, there's a couple different really weird colors of orbs in there. And I mean, I'm you know I was in a underground room in Prague. What were you doing in there? Getting a massage. Oh boy, with the girlfriend. And <laughs> and, and and afterwards, uh, it's like it's these old it's old old underground Prague. Like you're like these these new places are in the, you know, uh, twenty thirty feet down under the city. 
and uh, right. it's full of it's full of dust. It doesn't feel dusty, but I I was taking videos. I took a couple pictures and I noticed something in there and I started taking a video of it. And you know how the, you see these orbs. I mean, my friend even had that orb where it flies and it kind of seems to float around almost intelligently. But I was actually looking at the dust and taking videos and seeing it act like an orb. So I'm definitely aware that dust can be, you know, an orb. But these other ones um, that we saw that night just seem like they're you know, too big or too really unique to be just dust floating around in the outside. But having said that, the bug, the bug looking ones, like the fairy ones could be like, there was a lot of bugs out when we were there. Like you could hear them yeah. buzzing around up top. Like, I don't know if it was those, what's that uh, locusts or stuff that were just C cicadas or something. Cicada, yeah. yeah. Just, you could hear them buzzing around up top. And so maybe some wasn't of those are locusts. catching flashes. What? Definitely wasn't locusts. Why not? I don't think we have locusts in Canada, do we? I don't know. I think they might have been. Anyways, I'm not. No, I'm, I'm. I'm definitely open to it. It's just. It's just for me. It's like so many of these things that are inconclusive. I mean, rarely, rarely will I say that an image is not what somebody says it is, because, like I said, you know, I wasn't there. I don't have the same context, and some things do look, you know, a little bit odd when you see them. Uh, there was, <laughs> having said that, <laughs> there was an image that someone showed me recently. Um, of what he claimed was a fairy riding a dragonfly. Now, again, that's 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 a that's a children's book thing. That's not at all what people, you know, in folklore actually describe the fairies doing. And what's more, the photo they showed me was two dragonflies fucking. I mean, it wasn't <laughs> it wasn't a fairy riding a dragonfly. It was two dragonflies going at it. They were going to cosplay um, or so. Maybe one was dressed up as a as a fairy. You know. <laughs> Like a, instead of instead of uh, it's a, uh, a dr instead of furries, they have like fairies. <laughs> so, is the traditional folklore for fairies more messing with you? Um. So you know, it's there really is this elaborate taxonomy that you see in a lot of different fairy lore, uh, and it's it's well. So let's let's back it up a little bit. It's a worldwide phenomena. Uh, almost every culture on the planet has. Uh, believes in a or has believed in a race of beings that you can universally say are short love to steal children and live underground this is a very very common theme um having said that uh they did come in all shapes and sizes i mean so when you talk about fairies you're not just talking about uh you know what, what they would actually call fairies as they would in the british isles but you're talking about uh, things that we would, you know, that were called goblins, brownies, um, mermaids, ogres, trolls. These are all sort of a part of that fairy folk family, elves. And and they're not universally, even though even though one of the most common hallmarks of fairies is that they're short. Uh, you know, fairies um, could come in all shapes and sizes, could shape shift, could size shift as well. Um You've got the Celtic woodwoes that's basically, or woodwoes that's basically a Sasquatch analog. You've got, uh, you know, leprechauns are part of that sort of fairy cosmology. So they come in all shapes and sizes. Uh, and in, but if you just talk about fairies in sort of a general term, you've got that sort of that sort of three, three, uh, three points of of deciding whether or not it's a fairy. Underground, short, loves to steal children, and you know, it's 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 gone back and forth as to what exactly the origin of these fairy myths is. Um, a lot of people think that they were sort of uh, genii loci, so in other words, uh, spirits of place. Like this, this tree has a spirit. 
or this spring has a spirit or this uh, this particular hill has a spirit. Um, some people think, uh, like a Sorbonne, former Sorbonne uh, historian uh, Claude Lecouteau, that uh, they were conflated with the revered or the uh, the sacred dead. You'd have a great chieftain or warrior that was buried somewhere, and over time, he or she would get conflated with the pagan land spirits, and that sort of evolved into fairy lore on its own. And indeed, there are a lot of a lot of uh, connections to fairies and the dead. There's actually a fragment of a poem that was written uh, in uh, the medieval era that talks about three roads after you die, one leading to hell, one leading to heaven, and the other one leading to fairyland. Um, there are plenty of stories of people uh, seeing uh, seeing dead relatives, dead friends, dead neighbors in Fairyland as well. So there's there's a, some sort of connection there with the dead. Um, of course, you know, Christianity came to the British Isles and said that uh, fairies were one of two things. They were either um, fallen angels that were too good for hell and too bad for heaven, or they were the fallen angels that were shut out of both heaven and hell during the great battle um, the great war in heaven. And then they sort of fell to the earth and those that fell in the water were water fairies as it fell, you know, on the land were land fairies. And those that, you know, were trapped in the air were fairies of the air, but the actual origins of the fairies aren't, are not entirely clear. It was sort of in vogue in the last century to uh, claim that they were sort of an ancestral memory of indigenous peoples. Uh, so in the, the laps in Scandinavia or the Picts, especially in the British Isles. And, even though it's not as popular, it really is an interesting idea because generally, especially in the case of the picks, they were shorter. Um, they would have feared iron implements because they would have been a more, you know, quote unquote, primitive society, uh, which, you know, fairies have an aversion to iron in a lot of this lore. Um, they would possibly have been, you know, driven underground, literally, uh, by invading forces. And they could also possibly have sought to steal the... Uh, the, the children of the invaders to sort of boost their bloodline, which is something that you see, you know, in, in fairy stories as well. Um, but the, you know, the way that these motifs tend to occur in, um, in places where indigenous people haven't been driven from their original lands, I think is part of the reason that that idea became less popular. And what's more, um, this is something that I used to really, I used to really sort of soft pedal this stance, but as I've gone farther and farther into this, I am absolutely convinced that whatever lies behind what we call the alien abduction phenomena and fairy lore is one and the same. Not to say that fairies are aliens or that aliens are fairies, but I think they're both describing the same interaction with some sort of other intelligence that we've had over the years. This is also not saying that UFOs are always connected to sort of this sort of fairy lore cosmology. I think that's a lot, lot more complex subject, but in terms of the contact experience, I can take just about, with very, very few exceptions, anything in fairy lore and find an analog in the alien abduction experience and vice versa. It's, it's so parsimonious. It's, it's, it, it sort of shocks me. That's part of what my latest books, book, Thieves in the Night, was about was because I was trying to find a way to, to reconcile hybridization, um, a little bit about reconciling, like, you know, well, what, what about alien implants? How does that have an analog in fairy lore? And sure enough, um, it does. I didn't really think it would, but sure enough, it does. Huh. So is there, is there, um, which oh, I got a bunch of questions, but besides the trickstress aspect of the fairies and the, and the, you know, the stealing the kids and the kind of more of a, I don't know if evil, you know, is the right thing, but is, is there, 
some people that are attracted to it. Like, how did your daughter see that? Like, how did she know to take a picture there? Like, did she, did she see it she, first and then no, say that? she didn't see it till she'd seen the picture. But she knew that like, like, she, she wanted, wanted to do to it? She wanted to take like, the picture. And then, then she doesn't know why she took the picture. There was really nothing spectacular. So does, is, do some people attract them more? And do, and do people, is there, is there stories and lore of people? Or do people still summon them or try and make contact? And does it, does it, does it seem to, to work? And then you get into uh, no, the whole, you know, spirit realm and all that kind of stuff as well. But I feel like it's a bit of a different aspect, although it might absolutely. Overlap, you know? So it's well, I mean, so so, so to, to sort of address the first part of the question, um, it would be unwise, both both superstitiously and just in terms of in terms of folklore, to just go ahead and categorize fairies as malicious. They could be malicious. Yeah, there were some fairies that you didn't want to cross. Uh, um, but there are some fairies that were really quite beneficial. I mean, uh, a lot of, you know, so, some cultures might call them household spirits. Some cultures might call them fairies. But if you left out the proper offerings for them, they might, you know, it, it might, they might help with chores around the house. They might ensure a good harvest. They might give you good luck. Um, but most often it was, you know, people being more concerned about About Skype freezing up for people who <laughs> we, we just lost you for a couple seconds, probably about ten seconds there. People being more okay. con- people being more concerned about oh, people being more concerned about uh, about uh, angering the fairies after yeah, not yeah. leaving out the proper you right. know the proper offering Treats, and yeah. being struck with bad luck or uh, you know pinched or prodded. Um, you know, similarly, uh, you know, there are stories of people cutting down fairy trees and going blind or, or uh, you know, falling ill or losing a limb. Uh, now, to the second part of your question about people being attracted to it, yes. Um, there were families that were more likely to have their children taken by fairies, which has some complex issues if you take a look at sort of the possible medical explanations for, for, for that lore. Um but uh, there were also people who could see fairies very easily. I mean, it was it was sort of a uh, it was a hallmark of a lot of clever men, clever women, witches, you know, warlocks, etc., that they could see fairies. And sometimes you would just have this gift that you could see them or intuitively know when they were when they were around. So you know, if if you want to sort of expand some of this to alien abduction phenomena, well, we have repeat abductees, repeat witnesses. Um, uh, you know, uh, you have um, the sort of genetic component, <clears throat> which manifests itself in fairy lore as well. I mean, for example, the reason that I cited why fairies like to steal children, you know, to improve their breeding stock, you find that literally uh, verbatim in uh, in both, uh, you know, alien abduction lore and, 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 and fairy lore. Uh, it happens, comes up time and again. Um, and these these are sort of the broad, the broad comparisons that a lot of people have made like for example Jacques Vallée and uh, Passport to Magonia um you know these are these are from, but but even if you get down to like some of the some of the really small microscopic stuff um you can find similarities for example one of my favorite comparisons that I didn't think there would be an analog for is the alien implant thing I thought well yeah I mean fairies are short and they tend to be supervised by a tall fairy queen which sounds like a lot of abduction lore and they give you missing time and they like to take children and fairyland sounds like the inside of a UFO there's just all this stuff that you can unpack but I couldn't figure out if there was an analog for the alien implant 
phenomena in fairy lore. Mm-hmm. And it's it's there, actually. Um, so the word uh, blast shares the same Germanic root as blister and blustery. And the reason for this is that if you angered the fairies, uh, they might hit you with a fairy blast, which is a big wind that would give you a blister, it would give you a pustule on your skin. And um, inside this pustule would be any number of, you know, just trash. You have stories of people taking animal teeth out of these of these of these boils. You have stories of people taking out bits of bone, twigs, leaves, grass, um, uh, ceramics, rocks. And this sounds just like an alien abduction implant, right? You know, getting out a little piece of like what looks like a main mundane bit of metal or, you know, something mm-hmm. out of your arm. It's but but so I was like, wow, that's fascinating. But then I went a step further and I found a story from uh, from Newfoundland, which, you know, is one of those like America, uh, this North America's ground zero for the importation of fairy myths. And um, there was a story that I found of a of a man who got hit with the fairy blast and the fairy blast sprouted string. And I said to myself. That sounds like Morgellons disease, which mm. a lot of people think is something that happens to abductees. They get these sort of uh, sores or, that or have this sort of these yeah. sort of fibers. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, so, I mean, they're, they're, again, I think that you can take anything in one and find an analog in the other, which really has me convinced at this point that they're describing the same sort of interaction that human beings have had with another intelligence. Huh. Yeah, that's that's really interesting. So, any. Uh... Can you use psychedelics? Because you can't eat food in the fairy realm, can you? How do you end up in the fairy realm? Yeah, so that was that was the topic of the of the first book. Was so, uh, so that was sort of what set me off on this path is um, this idea that if you were to be if you were ever offered food in the fairy realm and you ate it, you would be trapped there forever. And I was reading a book, a great book, J. Robert Alley's Rainco Sasquatch. Um, it sort of takes a flesh and blood view, but it's still a great book in and of itself. Um, and I remembered reading a bit that talked about how uh, certain tribes in Alaska believe that if you accept food from the bookwas, which a lot of a lot of uh, cryptozoologists will claim is is a Bigfoot analog, if you accept food from the bookwas, you would be trapped with the bookwas forever and eventually become part of their realm. And I said, we've got we've got fairies in Ireland. <laughs> that will trap you with food. And we've got Bigfoot in Alaska, that indigenous lore says, will trap you with food. That was just a really odd comparison for me. So you're absolutely right. Eating food in Fairyland was a big no-no. That's what I talked about in a Trojan Feast. But psychedelics to that, to that end um, are play a huge part of this, in this, I think. I mean, it was very famously, uh, Terrence McKenna described seeing, you know, self-transforming, dribbling machine elves whenever he would take DMT. Um, and uh, even though they weren't described necessarily as elves, he always got the impression that it was sort of that, um, sort of that fairy realm. I mean, he used to talk about hearing what a fairy marching band whenever he'd take five dry grams in silent darkness. Moreover, um, a lot of the things that people describe in the DMT realm again match up with with fairy lore. You've got this missing time component where people will say it felt like they were in you know this, this space for a thousand years, and when they come out of it, they're still watching the same damn episode of Star Trek Enterprise. You know. Um, <laughs> and you know, it's like a 15 minute high, but they feel like they spent an entire lifetime there. Um, sort of the, the, the dome that a lot of people see in the, in the, in this DMT space, um, 
has has strong correlations to uh, to a lot of the descriptions of fairy fairy realms. I've, I've found descriptions of fairy the fairy realm having this dome as well. Um, and of course, you know, you've got uh, the thing that the thing that Terrence McKenna always used to talk about was how these like little machine elves seem to be obsessed with language, and they would make little. <laughs> they seem to be obsessed with language, and they used to say that. They used to say that um, they would actually fashion gifts for you out of language. And, uh, you know, if you look at sort of, uh, if you look at, you know, things like leprechauns and other fairies, I mean, Rumpelstiltskin was a fairy and he was obsessed with wordplay in that, in that particular fairy tale. But also, um, I mean, this this ties into the sort of the whole lap shaman Christmas narrative too. I mean, you've got these elves that appear under the influence of certain entheogens and, you know, where do the, and they're giving you gifts like the Christmas elves that Santa Claus has and where do the mushrooms grow, but around the bottom of the evergreen tree. It's, and, and you know, how, do, where do you put them? Where you put them in your stockings to drive by the fire if you're a lap shaman. So, uh, yeah, I mean, it's, it, it's completely tied into this. Um, uh, you know, I, I, so you have similar stories on, you know, regarding ayahuasca. Um, similar people experiencing similar things. Um, yeah, I, I mean, another thing that you see in both fairy lore and entheogens and the alien abduction experience is this onset of the experience being preceded by this intense buzzing. Um, that's something that you find in countless abduction reports and you find in plenty of fairy abduction reports that as well that, you know, there's this one story, this famous, um, this famous fairy abductee, I believe her name was Anne Jeffries, who supposedly spent a long time in fairyland. And, uh, before she, when she came out of it, because being in fairyland often meant just like a literal trance, you like, you were here in the bed sick, but your consciousness, your body was somewhere else and, or, you were physically someplace else and the fairies had left behind this, this, you know, shell of the body, this changing body. But, uh, Jeffrey said that, uh, she actually experienced this sort of sound like a thousand buzzing flies around her head as she was being taken to fairyland, yeah, which again, sounds like, yeah. sounds like OBEs too. Yeah. Oh, a hundred percent. I mean, like I, I'm convinced that, that, that there's, it's this knotted, knotted tangle of things. That's the contact experience. That's the fairy contact experience. It's the alien contact experience. That's the OBE thing. I mean, you know, if you look at, this has probably been talked about ad nauseum on the show, but um, you know, the similarities between the alien abduction experience and OBEs are not to be dismissed. You have levitation into a bright light where believe it or not, people see loved ones, deceased loved ones. Well, Fairyland, deceased loved ones. Um, it really does seem like this extended consciousness realm that we're dealing with here. And, uh, you know, it, it always something I, I, as, as is probably obvious to a lot of people listening. I tend to be sort of a, a pan paranormalist and wanting to sort of tie a lot of these things together. But I think the farther you get into this, the, the more you see that there are these similarities that you just can't deny. I mean, you know, Kenneth Ring, uh, who did a lot of studies on comparison, comparing, um, comparing the NDEs and the alien abduction experience said that a lot of the rubrics for the personality types that you'd find in both just really seem to match up as well. Wow. That's really interesting. Yeah. I'm kind of in, in a way, I think like the same way, pan pan, like it's a bit of all and everything and there's not uh, just one answer, even when it comes to UFOs and how consciousness gets involved now. And I mean, it's just, it's, we talk about that a lot in the show, but it's, it's more than, I think it's a bit of everything. I mean, it's a, uh, 
just a shit mix of all of it. I mean, I was going to ask you a little bit about that as far as consciousness being all the research and how that really is. People are more interested in consciousness and magic and the occult and everything like, and even in the UFO subject, there's probably a little bit more focus on that now as, as opposed to the nuts and bolts. Like I think it's falling aside a little bit and there's groups around the world, you know, meeting for CE five events like we do here. And I wanted to get your take on that a little bit. I mean, I'm not saying that, that it's ET. It could be, it could be, it could be a number of different things. Maybe it's some kind of phenomena that we're attracting, but I mean, we're attracting something. And the thing is, our intention is for it to be ET. And when we ask a question, we asked a question about our upcoming event and about the CE fives there. And there was immediately like, uh, my friend Celia asked the question. There was immediately two bright flashes in the sky in, in answer. I mean, you know, these flash bulbs aren't of just some, uh, they're not planes flying around. They're not anything prosaic. Something's communicating. And I don't know if it could be, it could be, who knows? It could be somebody paying attention in, you know, black budget realm. I mean, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not really throwing anything out, but the logical explanation seems when you go out there with intention that something is communicating back. CIA psychic spies. Yeah, I, I, I totally agree. And, and, you know, I, I still leave a lot of, I still leave some room for, you know, actual extraterrestrial nuts and bolts craft visitation. I think that it's a little bit silly uh, to completely throw that out now. Yeah, I don't yeah, think exactly. it describes. Yeah. I don't. I don't think it describes the bulk of what people no. are experiencing. No. But I think that you know it can happen again. The the UFO phenomena, the actual you know objects and lights in the sky thing, I think is like seven different things yeah, <laughs> happening yeah, at yeah, once you know yeah. i think i think it's i think it's misidentification i think yeah. it's misunderstood natural phenomena yeah. i think it's psychic phenomena i think it's um possibly extraterrestrial craft i think it's unorthodox military aircraft exactly, i think it, yeah. you know, i think it's a huge hodgepodge yeah. of things but um which is why i but but that's that's the main reason that i've, I've tended to gravitate more towards a lot of these more esoteric ideas regarding sort of, you know, the, the magical tradition and sort of the metaphysical metaphysics of this, because um, I actually had an essay on this in Robbie Graham's UFOs reframing the debate that, you know, it's, it's basically accepted amongst even the most hardcore nuts and bolts, you know, ufologists that ET has t- uh, abilities of telepathy. And if you if you accept that because it occurs between people and UFOs, it, it occurs in the contact experience. If you accept that, then it starts this cascade effect of just breaking down materialism completely. In which case, why does it need to be aliens? Why does it need to be little green scientists coming from another planet? You know, why can't it can be any number of things, my lord? Um, yeah. But, uh, I mean, yeah, as far as what that other intelligence is, I don't know. Um, you know, one of my favorite, there's this, I, I love this, uh, so the, uh, the Daily Grail republished a, uh, republished uh, Passport to Magonia, and it's got this great cover on it of a gray alien with three different masks, and one of them is a fairy queen, and one of them is like a 1950s space invader, and one of them's a devil, and he's and this grace holding all three of these masks, which is a great image in and of itself, but the actual original uh, artwork for that 
actually got cropped off. In the original artwork, it was that gray holding those three masks, but you see that the gray itself is a puppet with an arm inside of it that's that's standing outside the frame, which I just love as sort yeah, of a that's metaphor. Fantastic. Um, now, as far as I mean, as far as what this is, I mean, you know, it, it could be it could be extraterrestrials that are remote viewing Earth. It could be it could be little green men in flying saucers. Who knows? Um, it could be our higher selves. It could be any number of, of really fascinating things. And uh, so I, I tend to keep the door open to all that. It's funny because you talk to people about, you know, maybe this, um, maybe this is, you know, just some aspect of our higher selves and they sort of get disappointed because it's not ET. And I'm like, well, that's still, ex- that's still ridiculously yeah, ex- exciting. Exactly. You know, it's, it's, it's just that people have this real sort of ET fetish that I, I, I just, I mean, I, I get it because we've been sort of fed it for so long, but yeah. um, but I think that opening yourself up to different ideas is is really where you want to be if you're looking at this stuff in an intellectually honest manner nowadays. Have you seen a push at all, all for it to be more of a demonic thing? Like, I mean, I uh, I bumped into this guy uh, who makes these maps, these uh, mapping that deep state mapping project, and he's done one on health, and and he's out there. He was uh, talking about on Instagram about his CE five. And he's got a lot of followers and stuff. And he was talking about the experiences they had, which was very similar to ours. Flash bulbs and some interesting shooting stars <laughs> that don't act like shooting stars. And he uh, and there's a lot of comments that people are going, oh, demonic, demonic. And then there's some people saying, oh, these are just the trolls that are out there pushing this narrative. I mean, it just seems crazy to me. Yeah, I mean, so... I mean, I know it's not a new narrative. I mean, people have been talking no, about mean, it, angels and demons for a while and, and, and making comparisons to, to E.T. or whatever, but I feel like there's a, there is, I don't know, I feel like there could be a little no, push it's, it's, going on. So, I mean, as, as a Christian myself, it really is tempting to lump everything that seems metaphysical into this good versus evil dichotomy. Yeah, but yeah. I just, I, and I think that's what people get hung up on because a lot of the a lot of the demon people are talking about a lot of the stuff that I'm talking about in fairy lore because the concept of, you know, demons has been so co-opted and corrupted by Christianity in terms of its actual meaning. First of all, it's sort of like the daemon as the higher self, but then the way that the idea of demons would just be slapped on a lot of stuff and it got slapped on the pagan gods and it got slapped on to what became the fairy folk. I mean, there's a lot of similarities between the way that fairies behave and the way that uh, demons behave. I mentioned Rumpelstiltskin, which is sort of a, you know, a, a, silly, a silly story, but you know, how did she obtain power over Rumpelstiltskin? She figured out his name. That's, that's demonology 101. You have a, you know, you have a name for a being and you actually have power over it. But I think that what a lot of people get hung up on is is this this um, this really uh, black and white idea of what things are. So I mean, I I I'm really sympathetic to the people who trot out the demon thing, but at the same time, I have to I have to look at that in a broader context. And I think that I mean uh, something that Gordon says a lot of times is he talks about. He talks about, you know, the idea that it's an ecosystem of spirits and not just, uh, you know, good or bad things. And that there are things that uh, there, th- there are things that are good out there and there are things that are bad out there. And there are things out there that are free agents that could go either way. Um, so I'm, I'm sympathetic to those ideas a lot, um, while also be trying to be as conscious as I can about the way that that can be used to manipulate 
you know, manipulate and weaponize people. I mean, it was a fascinating book. There's, you know, uh, Final Events is a fascinating book by Nick Redfern that talks about how this sort of idea really uh, became embedded in in some people in the uh, in the government yeah, who are studying yeah. the UFO phenomena. Yeah, I mean, so, so I'm, I, you know, in a lot of ways, I, I can go with the the people who say it's demonic to a certain extent, but you know, I just I think that's just a really reductive way to view a lot of this metaphysical stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Have Have you seen a hierarchy like uh, you know? I mean, it's hard to deny that there seems to be a hierarchy of the spirit realm, whether it's through uh, you know being in the astral realm itself or through. NDs or OBEs or religious experiences or, mm-hmm. or whatever. Is that the similar in the fairy realm? Do you think? And have you seen a, a hierarchy of, of that kind of lore? Uh, just in terms of like a hierarchy of, of sort of like spirits. Yeah. Yeah. Or fa- or it, in the fairy fairy realm or fairy lore, like, is it that complex or do you see any overlap? I mean, I don't even really know what my question is. I'm just, uh, no, no, I find no, it, no, no. I find it interesting because I never wanted to accept the real, that there could be, you'd think at that level of spiritual involvement, there wouldn't be a hierarchy, but it seems like there seems to be something like that. I mean, you vaguely do. You find fairy royalty, fairy princes, fairy queens, fairy kings. I mean, uh, you know, as, as I sort of alluded to a little bit earlier, you know, like a lot of these greys that we see, fairies are short, and they're often supervised by a taller grey alien, right? Well, these short fairies would often be supervised by the fairy queen, who used to be, in a lot of cases, regular human size. Um, but you, I mean, yeah, you'll find fairy princes and queens and kings. I'm just not sure if the, how much of that is, I mean, if there is an objective reality to that, because I tend to be still a little bit agnostic about this stuff. If there is an objective reality to that, um, how much of that is people putting their own cultural, hierarchy, yeah, own cultural impression on it. Right. Yeah. And then to go at, get even a little bit more esoteric, how much of that, if, if it is true, quote unquote true, that there are these hierarchies, how much of that is this other intelligence looking at our culture and saying, well, they have hierarchies, so maybe we should organize in a similar way to better communicate with these people. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, I'm not sure. I'm not sure. <laughs> it's sort of a chicken egg thing. Yeah, yeah, that's, that's, uh, that's interesting. What do you think, Darren? Do you think, there's a, do you think there's a reason for that negative connotations on some of that uh, fairy realms and UFO realms and and stuff I mean, like that. Do you think it's maybe by design? You mean or or for uh, even for fear mongering or for a more for a better reason than that? Like you know, tricksters or whatever else. Or most people getting trolled or you know, what are you getting into? What are you getting into yeah, I mean, when you start playing with entities? It's kind of interesting that you said trolled because you know trolls are part of the are part of the fairy lore. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I think that I think that it's I think that it's because I don't see a lot of positive outcomes from any encounters with fairies or aliens or you know Graham says his C fives are all filled with love and I tend to believe him. But well, that's what you traditionally have to do. Like, when you get abducted what, by an alien, point. it's not like hey, it was fucking great, man. I well, had no, a blast. No, but there's a lot of people that do come out of that. There's a couple. That, that, there's a that couple. With, good, same man, with fairies. You're usually not wanting to. You know, the fairies are. You know, and. My understanding is somewhat good, but mostly, you know, not great. But I mean, a lot of people, they, they summon angels or they talk to angels. They have their spirit guides. I mean, there's a whole bunch of other realm helpful things going on that, that people 
are also doing. So, I mean, there is a positive aspect to all that Allegedly. contact as well. I'm not asking. You. So, 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 in, so any of this shit can backfire on you, right? I and mean, that's just sort of, that's just sort of the way it works. Um, it's, so there, there's a concept in a lot of world religions of, uh, the idea that theophany, beholding the divine, um, is not for the faint of heart and can actually kill you. I mean, I, I uh, you know, it, uh, to, to put it sort of prosaically in a, terms of a pop culture reference, um, if you remember in uh, Dogma, the Metatron is the voice of God because to actually hear God speak would, you know, make your head explode. It's that kind of idea. You'll find this in a bunch of different traditions, uh, um, and you know, including Greek myth. Um, so, but at the same time, you will find, you know, you talked about NDEs earlier, um, you'll find that whenever people can weather that storm and get to the other side of it, there are positive benefits. You know, I mean, in fairy lore and alien abduction lore and NDE studies, yeah. people come out oftentimes, even though it was traumatic, they come out with a renewed spirituality. They come out sometimes as healers or with clairvoyant abilities. Yeah, yeah. In each of these cases, in each of these cases, you know, I, Anne Jeffries, whom I mentioned, was uh, was regarded after her time in Fairyland as a healer and a prof, you know, a prophesier. A number of people that Mike Clone have, have talked to who are, have become, you know, opened up to to spiritual disciplines from their um, experiences and become, you know, Reiki healers. Is is he? He, he literally. He, he literally writes down Reiki healer when he's talking to somebody, he waits to check it off. <laughs> um, and, you know, similarly with NDEs, the exact same thing. But I, but I don't think it works for everybody that way. I think it's, I think it's like, I think it's like so many things where you're either wired to handle that or you're not, you know, um, you know, so, so an idea that I've been playing with is that, you know, the people who we hear about are the ones who have been able to handle it and the ones who really can't handle it might be tied into the missing 411 phenomena you know they just they just get completely wiped off the map by encountering this this uh intelligence that that is completely beyond their ability to to grasp i mean it's almost like a you know picking up a butterfly and holding it too tight you know so, some of those butterflies might get away fine even though you know, you're wanting to bandage its leg or whatever but some of those butterflies you might end up crushing so i mean i don't know i i i, I tend to, i if if people come to me and they say that it's yeah, oh, no, you're wrong. It's entirely negative. I say, oh no, you're wrong. Um, I, I I I I think that negative experiences in anything in life incredibly useful for learning, incredibly useful for expanding and improving one's life, or they can completely destroy you. And it's just a matter of not only how you how how traumatic that experience is, but also how you approach it, you know, as an individual yourself. Yeah. That's not a, it's not a concise answer at all, but, but no, uh, no, it, it's interesting. Yeah. I, I kind of, I kind of agree. doesn't think there's any bad, bad creatures. They're all good. Don't need a gun after the apocalypse. It's all good. All you need is love. I don't say there's no bad creatures. I mean, possession, I, I think possession is a real, you know, a real, I mean, I don't know what you think about that, the, but um, some of the stuff I've read about, I read that book, The Right, and some of the possession stuff is crazy. I mean, I think there's something evil there. I mean, but, you know, we talked to Grant Cameron about evil and good being kind of just a perception of things and that, you know, 
people that we think are evil don't think they're evil. They think they're good and all that kind of stuff around that. It's, it's, it's gets pretty complicated. I don't know. I mean, yeah, no, I, I, I would, I would tend to agree with that. Um, I would tend to agree with that. I mean, I, I think that there are, are without a doubt, again, I think that there are forces for good and forces for evil and forces in between. Um, and I, I just think it really is, it might be luck of the draw. It might be what you bring into your life through any number of, any number of, uh, any number of things. I'm not, you know, I'm not the kind of person who, I'm not the kind of person who, uh, says that you shouldn't use a Ouija board, but I do think it's kind of like, <laughs> well, I think it's kind of like opening up. I think it's kind of like, uh, you know, rolling down your windows in a bad neighborhood. Like it's probably not a great idea. So it's weird that you say that Darren. I mean, I'm not I, like, I'm not the only thing I'm trying to contact is just in with our, with our CE5 group is just like, let's go out and try and make contact with that. With I'm not aliens. trying to summon anything else. I don't want to ever use a Ouija board. Like we've, I'm not messing with any of that stuff. This just is, C5. this is, this is different. Yeah. So I'm not, you know, there is, there is bad shit out there and I have to try, you try and protect yourself from it. I, I think, and that helps. I mean, look, my girlfriend gets that demonic attack. Uh, that, that, uh, she gets those demonic attacks with the, the incubus, right? I mean, it's still happening. She, we're, we're dealing with it in a way we're, we're finding, uh, it's way better now and we're, we're, we're fixing that problem, but Maybe so. you should slow it out on CE5. <laughs> this is a, this could be a problem. So, yeah, I don't know. You know, I wanted to talk to you about, um, there seems, the mainstream is taking off with some of this, and I, I heard you mention in a couple of your blogs, maybe, or a couple, you've also got some, some blogs you have on your website, and mm -hmm. or maybe it was in interviews about, um, I don't know if I would say, because I haven't come across these myself, but I heard you talking about it and it's, and it's an interesting thing about, I don't know if you're resentful or frustrated when <laughs> all the, all the, the work that all these people have been interested in this, you know, let's say, I don't know, what do you, what do you call it? Paranormal, obscure topics, um, the occult. And, and then you get these mainstream people coming out with articles and then all of a sudden it's changing. Oh. The oh, you know, it's even almost like my buddy who I, he knows all my friends know I'm into this. Like they, they know I'm into this. And then that New York times article comes out. I think it's, a, it's an example of what we're talking about here. And all of a sudden he's texting me saying, Oh yeah. Hey, UFOs are real. I saw it in the New York times. I'm like, you know, fuck you. Like we, I've been telling you this, I've been yeah. telling you to, to look at this evidence for, for decades. And you, and you see one little article in the New York times and you're, you know, you're a believer all of a sudden. Yeah. I think he even said yeah, that I, I'm a believer now. I'm like, come on. I mean, I think it was partly uh, in jest. Oh, he knew he was going to, he knew he was going to frustrate me, but still. Yeah, it, no, that was, so that was a blog post about, you know, how, um, it's, it's that person that you meet at the party and you mention something and it's the complete normie and they're like, oh yeah, I just heard a book by Michael Pollan about how psychedelics can be effective. And it's like, for fuck's sake, like there are you know, 200 hours of lectures, but you know, go listen to psychedelic salon. Like this is, this is, this is like entry level stuff, but you didn't want to listen to it because it wasn't coming from one of your precious gatekeepers, you know? Yeah. Um, you know, you, and you know, before that, even if you had listened, you didn't want to listen to it because it was coming from, you know, the lore of Brown people. Like that, that's, that's really what it is. 
you know, it's from these primitive brown people. That's why I didn't pay any attention to it. And people have been saying so much of this stuff for years, but they've just now, as you mentioned, oh, oh, well, this person that I, this person says this, so it's but. And and the thing that boggles my mind is these people who are coming forward are not even producing the best evidence. I mean, you know, Tom DeLonge is changing your opinions on UFOs. There's a lot more compelling shit that's been said by people a lot more articulately. But but for some reason, this is a the name that you recognize. So, oh, he's not a crazy person. When in reality, I think he's probably <laughs> he probably is a crazy person. But um, I, I I put a moratorium on complaining about TTSA. So I'm just going to bite my tongue. But uh, but um, yeah, it's 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 really obnoxious, and it 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 seems to me like when you hand that, when you start getting your UFO information from the New York Times, you're completely allowing them to control the narrative. And uh, you know, as 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 Gordon is fond of saying, there isn't a thing that makes it to the front page of the New York Times without going through the you know the intelligence agencies first <laughs> for approval. Yeah. Um, I, you know, and that's that's sort of what's bugged me about a lot of this sort of the disclosure movement as well is that uh, you're, you're, it, you, people are so thirsty for confirmation of things that they're not really considering where they're getting it from. Um, but uh, I mean, yeah. So it, it, this has happened in, um, you know, it's interesting. This has happened in uh, the psychedelic realm, as I mentioned, the Michael Pollan thing. It's yeah. happened. It's happening in the UFO realm and has happened on and off. Um, but it's also, you know, sort of happening a little bit in the Bigfoot realm, um, huh. with, uh, with, um, uh, Laura Krantz, I believe, uh, who has a podcast, Laura Krantz, who is, uh, a relative of, uh, Grover Kant, Grover Krantz, who is a very famous Bigfoot researcher. And it's, it's, um, and, you know, kudos to her for, for you know, actually, actually entertaining this idea. But, you know, I think she was, um, I believe, if memory serves, she, uh, you know, is, a, is an NPR reporter. And now people are like, oh, oh, an NPR reporter is interested in Bigfoot. Maybe I should give this some. And it's like, you know, the, there, there, there are plenty of intelligent people looking into these things. But you just you just wanted to make sure that you it just it, it just didn't come from your little bougie corner of the world. And that's why you didn't want to pay attention to it until now. It's kind of kind of the way that I feel. Yeah, there's a silver lining to that, I think, too, though. I mean, it is, it is. you could look at it the way where, you know, it's planting a seed or at least it is getting more people interested and that percentage of those people, who knows whether it's 30 or 50 or whatever, will go deeper and they'll find the better research and they'll, they'll realize, you know, they will sort of wake up to the fact that, wow, this has had some legitimate uh, it's not looking into for, you know, oh, it might be. I mean, look, right. I mean, I used to think this with with see when i'd see people in yoga like when i used to go to yoga all the time and i'd be like if somebody was just doing it you could tell they're just doing it to the fat i remember, remember rogan calling these fake yogis out and stuff like that and you're like at least hey maybe maybe if they start to turn out to be a fake yogi if 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 they started to appreciate meditation or or maybe it's planting a seed that there is benefits to yoga or whatever like it doesn't matter it doesn't matter why you got into something maybe it's just enough to to plant that seed I don't know. Right, right. And, and, and actually, you know, so again, uh, apologies to Laura Krantz because I think she's the least, uh, she's the least um, offensive of all the examples that yeah, I gave yeah, by far. Yeah, yeah. And she's really looking at it in, in an open-minded way. But um, the thing that I'm concerned about is that you're going to have people 
thinking, you know, people laying the glory of the, you know, the revelation of Bigfoot, or sorry, not Bigfoot, but UFOs at the feet of the New York Times. You yeah, know, they're not yeah. going to pay attention to all the people who've come before that have really done a yeoman's work. You know, they're going to they're going to say, oh, you know, I wasn't it wasn't until Michael Pollan came out with this book on psychedelics that people really realized they were beneficial. And it's like, oh, my God, you know, why? You know, but, but at the same time, you know, a, a rising tide does lift all ships. And I think that you're right, that it can encourage people to, to do a deeper dig. Um, and at the same time, it's not like these communities that, you know, haven't shot themselves in the foot repeatedly by making outrageous claims. It's something that every single, you know, one of these communities is, is guilty of from cryptozoology to ufology to, uh, you know, to ghost hunting and all that sort of thing. Yeah, that's a good point. It, it is the narrative control, like you mentioned, that concerns me, though, really. I mean, it's like, uh, you know, it, <laughs> I'm skeptical when I see stuff in the mainstream about it for sure. And especially this New York Times thing and the TTSA. I mean, that whole thing is a... To the stars! We're not going to talk about that. No, so. we're not. Which, yeah, okay, <laughs> we're not going to talk about it. I, I will say that I've, I've softened a little bit on the to the stars thing, but uh, many of my opinions remain largely uh, um, largely unchanged. Uh, it is It is not something... I will say this, and this is where we'll leave it. It is not something that we can just ignore, as I hope we would. There's some, there's some meat on the bones, but not as much meat as a lot of the, as a lot of the uh, TTSA acolytes would have you believe. Right. That's where I'll leave yeah. it. That's yeah. where I'll personally leave. Yeah, and I mean, I, I mean, we got to think about five, ten years from now. We'll look back. Things will have completely changed. You know, the, I mean, look at over the last five years, even how much UFOs are accepted now and even magic and, oh, and psi science and all this stuff. I mean, all these got great scientists coming out with books and slowly, 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 like we're, we're kind of winning the battle on all the stuff we've been talking oh, about. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, and I really do. And that's part of the reason that I, you know, I often say that psi phenomena is the hill that I've chosen to die on because uh, they're the ones who are really have been leading the charge slowly and surely and have been hacking away at this. And once they finally get their, you know, their, their due, it's going to change everything when people realize that uh, the importance of consciousness to existence, it's going to change. It's going to make all the other things that people are really passionate about, like UFOs and ghosts and Bigfoot and all this stuff. It's going to make all of that so much more palatable to the general public. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And, and, you know, and that's, 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 that's why it's the one thing that I, I will really get behind because I think that it's, I think that it's, uh, it's, it's not only the battle that's going to, uh, it's not only the battle that's going to lay the groundwork for all these other topics, but it's, it's the one that's also the closest to victory. And it's the one that is, is I think winnable and you, and you see it, you know, I, I wish somebody would just be aggregating all these headlines about how, you know, <laughs> Not, not, not to draw battle lines, but how their science is looking a lot more like our science in terms of in terms of the scientific establishment actually coming around on some of these ideas and some of these consciousness ideas and magical ideas and whatnot. Yeah, and to validate people's experiences. I mean, we talked years ago about the Church of Experience. I mean, it's people that a lot of people you know, you love. A large percentage of those have had unexplainable experiences of one kind or another, and they just they you know. But yet we're in a we're in the schizophrenic paradigm where. You know, they can't talk about it or they feel like they can't talk about it because it can't be validated. And now it's, it's, I think it's going to, I think what's happening in tandem of that, that psi research battle 
is uh, is people talking openly. And I mean, we get people emailing in all the time and people sharing their experiences now, which is, I think, also helping push that push that wave over. Yeah, I mean, it's it's I know I, I totally agree with you. It's I've often said that, uh, you know, like I don't know what's abduction. coming first. Like, is it the, is it people feeling more comfortable now, or is it because it's the science is dribbling out? I mean, it could be both. But or, you know, where they could be feeding off each other. You know, yeah. I've often said that that uh, that the alien abduction. The, yeah, sorry, the alien abduction experience is the one area where it's still okay to victim shame. You know. <laughs> We're, t- we're constantly told that anything else in life, um, it's not okay to, to blame the victim or to make fun of them. But when people have these traumatic experiences, I mean, e- even if even if it is, and I do not think it is, but even if these experiences are completely in their head, you're still victim shaming. You're still making fun of these people. Yeah, exactly. And if it were any other, if it were any other topic, if it were mental illness, if it were you know sexual assault, if it were racism, if it were uh, you know violence, if it were you know if there's any other topic, it would be so taboo to make fun of these people. But because they you know because they're saying aliens, then it's fine to make fun of them. And like I said, if it's if it's objective and real and happening to them. It's awful that you're making fun of them. If it's in their head and they have mental problems, it's still awful that you're making fun of them. And I don't know why. Uh, I don't know why we sort of allow that as a society. Except I guess we just uh, we just have a uh, we just have this need to, probes, yeah. to have. Yeah. <laughs> right. Right. Yeah. Exactly. There you have. Uh, it. Yeah. I just. I. I it's that's frustrating. There you have it. I suppose that's a good a spot as any to wrap it up with Graham's little probe comment. <laughs> we covered a lot of ground, though. Yeah, we did. It was awesome. I mean, we love chatting. Sorry it took us so long to get uh, hooked up there at the beginning and the delays and all that. But but considering the internet was a bit spotty, I think we made it through okay. Fuck yeah. Yeah, it, no, that, absolutely. So what are you going to, now that this book is almost done, like you guys are sort of going to, you know, I mean, it's not going to be long fall, five, six months, book's going to be released. What's your plan after that? Do you have any? Well, right now, right now I've got a list. Of, I've got a list as long as my, as my arm of things that I need to like throw into the chapters here and there. And like I said, I'm finally doing my second Passover. So I'm not quite out of the woods on that yet. Um, as far as what I'm going to be doing next, I, I think, you know, with this two-volume set coming out, I might be taking a little bit of a break of doing, like, the long-form thing, but I have a couple of other projects that have been approached about uh, collaborating on just in collections of essays and whatnot. So uh, as those sort of develop a little bit more, um, I will, uh, I'll you know, be able to share share a little bit more information about that. Uh, right now, I'm, I'm you know, uh, absolutely in the weeds of uh, convention season, which is something that, you know, historically I haven't been to many conventions, probably because I don't, uh, I don't, um, I don't tow a lot of party lines on, <laughs> on the ufological or cryptozoological, uh, you know, uh, realm. But uh, I was at this wonderful conference uh, this past weekend, X-Filers United. It was a great lineup uh, in, in Rhode Island. Um, at the end of May, uh, that last weekend in May, so I guess it's the, uh, oh, let me look it up here. Um, it's it's not uh, not it's that, that sort of made a June weekend. Oh. So, what was that? Not your long weekend. The weekend after. Uh, yeah, yeah. So it's it's like the thirty first, uh, first and second. 
to May to June. Uh, I will be in Charlotte, North Carolina at Con Carolinas. And then at the end of June, I don't think I've announced this on my website yet, so this might be a little, might be a first. Uh, that's the 29th and 30th of June. I will be at Fort Fest in Baltimore, uh, Maryland. Nice. Um, so I've actually got a, uh, yeah, I've actually got a, uh, actually got a nice little, uh, chunk of, of some engagements coming up, meeting a lot of good people. And, uh, you know, something I've, something I've said, um, I actually really hit really, it really locked in with me this past weekend that, uh, you know, I'm, I'm a, I'm a professional musician and the number of people that I meet who are interested in these subjects are by and large, so much nicer than the average musicians that I meet, you know, every, I feel like one out of every four musicians I meet, uh, is, is kind of, you know, has an ego problem or as a jerk or, you know, is difficult to work with, but like, it's like maybe one out of 10 that I meet one out of 15 that I meet that is, you know, actually has an ego problem, uh, in among people who are involved in these fields. And I don't know if that's people being humbled by, um, humbled by their experiences or, you know, they realize that they're something greater that they're a part of. But, uh, you know, I'm, I'm proud to call all the weirdos out there, uh, my friends. And then they, they really are good people. Awesome. I totally most agree. Totally agree. Dunlop. The <laughs> yeah, most of them. Yeah, the jury's still out on Dunlop. <laughs> <laughs> I hear he's an okay guy. I hear it. I hear he's all right. Okay yeah. He's all right. Most of the time he gets a little moody. Sometimes we put up with him. Some little cookies. He cheers right up. Oh man. It was awesome chatting with you. Have a good time at those conferences. And, uh, yeah, yeah we won't go six years again. Yeah. Thanks so much. Yeah. And yeah. if I, uh, just in case anybody's interested, this is the, the shell part of the episode, but, uh, uh, you can keep abreast of when the new book's coming out at joshbookutchen.com. Uh, I have three books out right now. Um, the Trojan Feast, The Brimstone Deceit, which is about uh, smells and the role of smells, different smells in the, in the uh, paranormal, and uh, Thieves in the Night, which is all about uh, paranormal child abduction. Yeah, for sure. I'll put the link in the show notes. Yeah, we'll link Thanks, to all man. that. Thanks, I appreciate it. We'll all link right. to all that in the show notes, and uh, yeah, maybe next year we'll get you to move to one of our conferences. That sounds like a blast. I would love to. Well, thanks see so how, much, we'll guys. see how the first okay. one goes. It okay. could just be a total trainer. No, it's going to be fantastic. <laughs> Well, okay, it's buddy. been a pleasure, guys. Okay, see you, Josh. Okay, Josh. Take care. Bye-bye. Bye. And that was a chat with Joshua Kutchen. That was great. That was fantastic. Covering lots of bases, like you said. Yeah, I'm surprised that one took us this long to do. Yeah, totally. We got a lot of, we had like uh, 15 mutual Skype contacts or something yeah, like that. Yeah, yeah. so many, um, he's so knowledgeable about all these little topics. I remember yeah. listening to him on Mysterious Universe way back in the day when his food book first. Came out. Yeah, 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 amazing. Yeah, anyway, interesting lore and and all that. And, absolutely, um, huge thanks to Josh. Huge thanks to Josh for coming on the show. Huge thanks to you guys for listening. What did you think about the fairies? Did you learn something about the fairies? Uh I think I knew most of that. Yeah, the UFO, the crossover with the UFO stuff is new, but yeah, that's tough to say. Yeah, it's all just energy. Is that Rita Louise? Yeah, maybe. Just energy know. radio? Yeah. <laughs> or the first paradigm? Yeah. She's a piece of work. Anyway, huge thanks to Joshua for coming on the show. Huge thanks to you guys to, for listening. Even huger thanks to those of you who choose to support the show over at grimerica.ca slash support. Become a 1%er today and uh, come up a couple notches. 
You'll feel great. We'll feel great. Everybody wins. And uh, the show must go on. So that helps with the support. And uh, there's a bunch of stuff you can do in the show notes that helps the show. doesn't cost you any money. Review the show. Share the show. Sign up for the newsletter. Sign other people up for the newsletter. Uh, whatever you can do. If you think it'll help, it'll probably help. Even just uh, wishing us the best. Yeah. Anyway, we wish you the best. We hope you guys have a fabulous weekend. Thanks for listening, and we will see you next week. Started writing down a list of things to do. Number one on the list of things to do was to write a list of things to do. Number two on the list, a little more nihilist, wrote down the cake is a lie. There is no spoon. Johnny flipped out, they put him in a rubber room. Hide all your money under your mattress. You call your enemy a fascist. Somebody call an ambulance, the sky is falling. Hide all your money under your mattress. You call your enemy a fascist. Somebody call an ambulance, the sky is falling. Started to carve my initials into a 150 foot tree. Forgot who I was, where I was, cut my hand and it began to bleed. Was only looking to leave my mark in the bark in the park. Now I'm in agony. I have no name. My legacy is written in the sparks in your brain. Hide all your money under your mattress. You call your enemy a fascist. Somebody call an ambulance. The sky is falling. Hide all your money under your mattress. You call your enemy a fascist. Somebody call an ambulance, the sky is falling. Johnny crumpled up, threw away his list of things to do. Instead he got to jotting down his life, blood legacy manifesto, manifesto. Live by principles of peace, mix it with charity. Don't leave the next generation a world of scarcity. Johnny wasn't a commie, he was my fellow man. Johnny wasn't a commie, he was my fellow man. Johnny wasn't a Nazi, he was a firebrand. Johnny wasn't a Nazi, he was a firebrand.
Hailstorm damage got you blue? Sunburn get you let down? Well, introducing the new Gem Trails. Gem Trails are a convenient new chemtrail that we plow through your sky to ensure you with the haziest and non-blue sky that you could have. Gem Trails. Choose from our variety of geo-engineered aerosols loaded with toxic chemicals. Some chemicals may include barium, strontium-90, aluminum, cadmium, zinc, viruses of all sorts and varieties, and chafe, which actually looks like snow, but may actually be fibers coated with aluminum, desiccated blood cells, plastic, and paper. All chemtrails can be conveniently customized for your needs. Just ask our friend here James Cruz. Gem Trails. James Cruz ordered the barium, strontium 90, and the chafe. And the chafe he chose was desecrated blood cells in plastic. Gem Trails. So I'm sitting in my backyard getting sunburned constantly. And I hear this ad come on the radio. Gem trails. Gem trails. And what they can do for you is amazing. For 33 payments of $333. Gem trails. No more sunburn. Thanks, gem trails. Gem trails. Thanks, gem trails. Gem trails. That's right, James. For 33 easy payments of $330, you too can have a hazy sky with zero sun and zero sunburn. With our brand new technology coming straight out of MIT, we fitted an airplane with nozzles and we can come to any area in the world and spray your backyard. Chemtrails. Warning, warning, warning. Symptoms associated with chemtrails include aneurysms, strokes, heart attacks, and cancer. Chemtrails. Other side effects may include irradiated breast milk, anal leakage, jock itch, runny nose, irregular vaginal discharge, glaucoma, heavy metal poisoning, lockjaw, and low sperm count, persistent hacking, coughing, upper respiratory and intestinal distress, pneumonia, extreme fatigue, disorientation, lethargy, dizziness, splitting headaches, elevated arthritis, symptoms, nosebleeds, blah, 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 blah yada, yada, etc., etc., doctors, blah, 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 uh, death. If you want it, we spray it. So get your gem trails today. Gem Call 1-900-GRAY-SKY. That's 1-900-GRAY-SKY. That's 1-900-W-E-F-U-C-K-E-D. Thanks, gem trails. Gem trails. <laughs> <laughs>